Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers who enjoy discussing movies and related media. And today, uh, we have a viewer request. I know it's a bit weird for a podcast to have a viewer, but uh, uh, we were asked back at the uh, beginning of the year if we could do an episode on uh, on this film to tell people what our thoughts were on uh, Blade Runner 2049. It's taken a while, but uh, here we are now. Uh, this is part one uh, of this podcast. Part two is uh, with Charles Desorica, uh talking about the original Blade Runner. But, um, you know, this, this podcast is about, you know, what we think and, you know, other discussions about the film Blade Runner 2049. So uh, we are joined by uh, scriptwriter Antonia Maguire. Hello. And uh, storyboard artist Jason Finn. Ah, hello. <laughs> Welcome, guys. <laughs> Good to be here again. Yes, yes, returning guests, in fact. So, uh, yeah, good to have you back. So, uh, as always, we always go guests first. Uh, what was um, people? What what were your initial thoughts of the film? Um, by God, this is long. Um, <laughs> but um, but a, a respectful and respectable um, sequel to a much loved classic. Uh, and then, of course, you let it lie fallow for a little while, watch it again, and you start having your little niggles about it. But surprisingly, few on this. Very streamlined. Um, very uh not a fan film but it's, it's still clearly the, the the people behind it wanted to do uh, a sequel to blade runner um a lot of people have tried that beforehand the scripts were awful the book tie-ins that happened after the original movie were pretty awful um and uh even game tie-ins weren't particularly good and it was you know th things like the matrix came along and did it so much better um and games like deus ex uh and it, it god it took a long time but finally we get denis villeneuve um i hope that's how you pronounce it no, that's how you uh, that's how you do pronounce it yes and uh, you know he he, he definitely uh, it was something that he wanted to do um and he got the right people in like um the cinematographer getting him back um but yeah, that's okay. Let's let's go with the the initial length of it. Is uh, yeah, it's uh, God no. But uh, it takes its time telling the story, um, and I appreciate that. It's just that strangely enough, in other areas, it sort of skips over things. Mm. You know, that there's not there's not enough of Neander Wallace for me to uh, empathize with them at all. And the, the, the replicant re revolution is dealt with in like one scene. Yeah. Um, and I don't go with this crap. Hey, watch the short films that came with it. No, just tell me in a movie. I'm stupid. Oh, well, the thing, <laughs> thing I found about this film, it was like really, really indulgent. It was, I think well, there is this whole new wave of the re they're continuing films from yesteryear, like continuing the, the whole, history of the films like carrying them on and it just seemed to 
think you're going to like this. I'm not, we're not going to question you, but you're going to like this. We're going to make it like it. But the thing was, it was like the universe of Blade Runner, but not the same. And it was just not as, as exciting. And it might be because, you know, we've seen it done in so many other films and it was new when it was new. And now this, it can never mm-hmm. be as new again. But it just felt like mm-hmm. they weren't even trying. There was nothing that you were like awestruck with. And like, I, no. ha- I have more than enough niggles about it. I mean, I like to think I give it its props because, you know, everyone loves Ridley Scott. But I kind of think he was being lazy on this. And you could you got this feeling that it was it was style of a substance. And then the substance was just, again, really indulgent. And there was, there was such a lacking of things with it. And it's like, I didn't like the fact is that with um, the original Blade Runner, whether a version you watched, whether it was a director's cut or not the director's cut, um, I grew up with a director's cut without the voiceover. And that was so beautifully done because you, you didn't know if he was a replicant. You didn't know so many things. but And it was almost like it became... It was all about spirituality and religion and all this other stuff and humanity. This one, you just got to see giant naked women. And that was... It, just, it just didn't have a point. It just felt really like they had this replicant war, which I would like to have known more about. But then it just sort of, it didn't really meet. And it, that whole thing with um, Deckard and Rachel, you know, she had a baby. What? Sorry, spoiler. But it just felt like they really <laughs> were trying to make it different. But they didn't seem to think enough about it. Like, oh, oh she had a baby. Okay, but you still don't know if Deckard was a replicant. Obviously, because he's grown old. But there's just so many things they didn't explain. I'm glad that they played that card right at the beginning. That, that it wasn't part of the mystery. Straight up, it says, you know, that that was um, that was Tyrell's last joke on the world, that he actually had a replicant that could replicate. Simple as that. Um, and they pass over it as quickly as possible, and then the mystery that you're left with is, well, who is the child? Um, and uh, th- that plays out uh, fairly good, you know. But as somebody pointed out recently, probably with Red Letter Media, um, the original Blade Runner is a mystery noir without the mystery. There really isn't. What well, it's, goes like on, it's, isn't it? it's, it's a detective film as well, isn't it? Because he's a detective mm. and he's got a job. But the other thing was, I think that was, that struck me that I, I really felt strongly about after I watched it was, I didn't care about any characters. I mean, you had um, I've forgotten the name the the actor. What Ryan Gosling? No, Rick Hauer, in the original Blade Runner. What what the character oh, he played? Yeah, was, Roy Batty. Yeah, sorry, I forgot his name. But his character, he's got so much depth and he's got like, he's so, he, he reads poetry and there's all this other stuff he says. And I mean, fair enough, it's probably Rutger Hauer that was sort of like ad living. Because I think the line, the, the famous line he says at the end, he's, he just made that up on the spot. But um, it's like there were characters that you were interested in. Like the whole, I mean, when I first saw, saw the film, I was quite young and I remember the, um, the character that makes the toys. thought that was just like really, that, was, that wasn't necessary, but it was really cool. And then you had the moving little people that were robots, toys. They're really interesting characters, and it's had this whole universe that, you know, you could think that could be a storyline you want to know about. And this one, I didn't care. I just really, really didn't care. And no one was nice. I know that that's, it's not an important factor in a film, but nobody in the film you cared about. I mean, you cared about Harrison Ford character because, you know, obviously he's playing Harrison Ford and being old and jaded and having a smart a smart line. But that's what, that's what you expect from Harrison Ford. He's never going to be happy, clappy dancing. But it just... It was there was always sort of stylish stuff to it, and there's so many bits of it that I kept thinking, well, that's not going to float, because the bit when um, like when okay, again spoiler, when they've got his they've got um Deckard, they're flying away, 
And to be fair, so it's a massive corporate company. They've got the guy they want who's going to give them the answer to everything. And they've only got three ships and they crash all three of them. Then he's in one and then he rescues him. But I'm like, wouldn't they put a little bit more effort into saving him or just looking after him? There's so many things that I think because they just wanted to get it done, they missed the point of it. They missed what should have been done. And I think all the flack it got was before intelligent people just thinking well that's not really sensible they just kind of shoehorned in it's a bit like prometheus isn't it and um alien covenant there's so many things in it that just really you're shaking your head that you kind of think you didn't think this through you just you're being indulgent to yourself i mean like like i said it was stylish but i couldn't be bothered with the style in it and again i do have my issues with um why is it we keep seeing all these naked women it's like i really it really jarred me that whole factor and then the thing that he fell in love with a what was it a hologram hologram yeah yeah and you really felt the love there like yeah because in the original Blade Runner fair enough their romance was superseded and a bit creepy but you kind of felt the thing that he was a lonely person she was sort of lonely herself and didn't understand the world or herself these two people well you don't really care it just, and then the two replicants falling in love in that one there's none of it's just, there's it, none of the jeopardy of the original movie no they didn't you know, even, the, they catch the essence in some of it but then it, then it sort of like floats away they don't truly understand it I mean it, 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 I always say this about Ridley Scott's earlier movies Alien uh, Legend and very much Blade Runner it's a lot of happy accidents that happen in there um, as a filmmaker because, uh, you know, legendarily, all, all the stuff that he chopped and changed in Alien broke things up and put it all back together again. Um, what he did uh, backing him up there was, you know, trusted industry professionals who knew what to put up on the screen. Nowadays, we got computers. It doesn't matter what you think up. It can be put up on the screen. There's no care for that. I mean, take, take one element in the storyline. The Nexus 6, Rutger Hauer's Roy Batty, he had six years to live. He wanted more life, father. Simple as that. Um, now it's been told right up front at the beginning that the Nexus 8 has an unlimited lifespan. Well, there's jeopardy there, there. There's just nothing at all. Um, another element that, that was lost in it is, well, I thought everybody left back on Earth was just too ill or mutated to go into the off-world colonies. Earth was essentially dying. Now we've got, well, just your average tramps in a trash can kind of thing. Um, there's no German-speaking midgets jumping on the roof of your car. There's no guy with Methuselah syndrome. It's all pretty much, they look fairly healthy, everybody. You know, a few of those police officers look a bit tasty when they were, you know, uh, spitting in uh, Ryan Gosling's face. And I want people with legs missing and, you know, um, maybe some hunchbacks here and there. But no, everybody looks healthy. Well, the other thing was there was meant to be a mass war between the replicants and the humans. So that happened. Never felt it. It didn't, yeah, it didn't happen. Now there's going to be another war. It's like, well, what was the first one about then? Are you right. gonna, it, I, 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 I feel I have to I have to <laughs> jump in here and defend <laughs> defend this film. Um, but justify um, the naked tall ladies. Wow, I, I can't I can't justify <laughs> that. that. That that was never in the original. Why don't we get hologram naked men? That's the thing. Why? Maybe there was. I Maybe hope to God there wasn't, because that's just not something you want. to But see. then again, you know, <laughs> who who wants to see a massive purple dong on screen? You know, 
I mean, well, there, there was I'm lots of complaints about Watchmen. I went through the spring by frame looking for that, <laughs> and I have to say I'm disappointed I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I just, I just want to say, um, yeah, I have there, there, there was, once. there was never a, okay. There was, never was an initial war. There was a revolution that it, which caused the blackout, which destroyed a lot of <laughs> uh, the records and technology. Um, so they didn't learn anything. Ah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so the 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 threat that was in the film was about a forthcoming war. The fact that uh, if humans found out that replicants could actually have children. Uh, would be, you know, it would undermine a business because, at the end of the day, replicants are slaves. Uh, they are used for, um, as in the original film, they were used off-world as, you know, soldiers, uh, builders, sex slaves, all that kind of stuff. And what they've done now is they've they've brought them to Earth. Now it's it's legal on Earth. Um, I agree that this is a. Um, I think this is probably a good a sequel as they could have possibly gotten mm. at this time day and age, because mm. as much as Blade Runner is a, you know, held up as a classic film or a cult classic, uh, to do something that art house, because mm. at the end of the day, Blade Runner is an art house film. It's just got a massive budget for an art house film. Mm the studios backing it would not want a similar film they wouldn't want a mood piece they would want something that's got a bit more action i think they've they've latched onto a complaint that's always been there about blade runner about the fact that deckard didn't do much detecting yes it was a detective story uh you know he was supposedly hunting these uh replicants and you tired I know, but he, the only one he actually uh, hunts down is Zora. The other replicants just happen to fall into his lap. If it wasn't for the death of uh, JJ Sebastian, Mm. he wouldn't have uh, been able to find Pris and then Roy Batty. So it's it's always been these things that have just happened to fall into his lap. When they came after him. They came after Deckard after he killed the girl. Only one. Hmm. Uh, you remember Roy well, Batty and Preston? Yeah, Leon. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, because he um, was in love with Zora. Hmm. But um, I, I want to. I, I just want to say though is, I think it was a good idea that they got the original writers to come back to do this. You had David Peoples and um, uh, uh, Frampton come back and write the script uh the opening was you know based on the original opening to blade runner what they were going to do where you see uh deckard actually uh you know destroy a replicant but uh, instead of taking his jaw out uh it's this whole thing with the eye and um yeah i think it's probably the best thing they could have done in this climate I mean, it's a tall order to make something, a sequel to Blade Runner mm. and not be crap. Not to either try and remake it or, you know, just kind of destroy its legacy. So I think it is a very respectful sequel. 
I think it's it's got its merits, and um, but it, it was never going to be as good as the original. Was like you you've read the actual books, haven't you? Uh-huh. The ones that they carried on the story. You've read them, haven't you, Jason? Well, I came to Blade Runner as a fan of Philip K. Dick. You know, I'd, I'd read the original novel, novel um, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is a very different beastie. Yeah. Um, and quite famously, I don't, I don't know who was it that he actually threatened to. There was the, the screenwriter that actually met with Philip K. Dick and said he was taking notes. And Philip K. Dick took his notes off him and realised he hadn't written a thing. And he says, do you want me to kill you now or later? And, and, and I think they, they reached some kind of respect after that. Yeah, the, the, script, the screenplay went off away from the book. But I think in spirit, and again, I think it's completely by accident, they kept the spirit of the book with the idea, you know, the themes that Philip K. Dick had of what is it that makes us human? What is it that gives us a soul? And somehow it managed to come around in the edit and and become this, you know, far more than what it was, which was just a superficial sci-fi movie. Underneath it all, it had a love story and it had a heart to it. And, you know, you, you, you were left without answers at the end who really was human. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, i got to say, the Philip K. Dick book was was very much about paranoia because a lot of yes. the replicants in the book... It was a paranoid man that wrote it. Well, yeah. Well, it always works kind of paranoid. Oh, God, yeah. Is the person next to you really who they say they are? And, I mean, I remember the scene where he goes to a, another police precinct that's f- all manned by replicants, and it's like mm-hmm. a trap for him. But yes. uh, I must admit, I've never... I, 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 not a big fan of the book when it comes I, I prefer the film I prefer Blade Runner over the book I've yeah. read the book mm. and it, it's kind of interesting mm. and the things that it has and that they took out and they well, used it was of its time when it was the book was made obviously it was from oh, his yeah. mind, mindset at the time but the actual sequel books they made of Blade Runner I mean that, looking back on it like I've read them a while ago I had to go read my memory about it it wasn't the best storyline but there were so many elements that they could have used from it because like Blade Runner, it's a sci-fi film. It's a noir. You say it's an art house film, which is true. Mm. Um, it's a detective story, and is it? It's it's um. What would you call it? like? Not. It's kind of a psychological horror because that whole thing you don't know what you are, but then it's not the main thing. But I mean, it was a film like when the genre was emerging. But I just thought they kind of lost that element of it. They 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 just wanted to go quite bombastic without. So much like it wasn't like any. I wouldn't say it was bombastic. It was. It was big. It was. It they, big. They, they. It was big. They expanded. Yeah. They expanded the universe. Yeah. I mean, there were some beautiful shots in it. Like you know, when you saw the teaser trailer when he's walking in the no in, snow. Yeah. In this no, was it sand or snow? no snow. Oh no! Are you talking about the scene when he's in Las Vegas? Yeah. The sand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many beautiful scenes that you sort of saw in the trailer and the teasers, and it just sort of like, oh, this this is going to be really good. And it just felt like after those bits had finished, you're like, okay, that was it. It was there was and the in the Las Vegas when they're doing the battle and not battle, they're fighting like Harrison Ford and what's his name uh, fighting. It was, that was Deckard and K. <laughs> they know what I mean. But that was that was really good. Yeah, because it was like one of those sort of things. It did have humour in it, which I don't think Blade Runner really had, because it, mm. it was it was quite dark, really. Yeah. But I mean, you know who we haven't heard from yet? Keith. 
Yeah, no, I, I, well, you know what? I mean, I, I know I talk a lot on these podcasts, so, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of enjoying sitting back and, and, and listening to your conversation. And, um, you know, I think you all do raise some very, uh, very valid points about it. I mean, personally, from my point of view, um, I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I don't have a, I don't really have a problem with it. I don't know this film as well as I know the original. I don't think this is as good as the original by any means. Um, however, in terms of a sequel to something as, as classic and as, uh, iconic as Blade Runner, um, I think that this, this works. Uh, I believe it's in this, you know, the verisimilitude of the whole film, um, you know, feels, everything feels very real. Um, and I believe it is an extension of, you know, the world that we saw in, in the original Blade Runner. I mean, you have to remember as well in terms of storytelling is even though it's been actually 35 years since the original Blade Runner in the timeline here, it's, it's, it's another 30 years on, um, you know, from the original film. And obviously they've, they've, uh, as you said, Simon, they've expanded out the world as well. So we, we're seeing a lot more of the world, but also the world is, has, you know, it, it's, it's, it's deteriorated, uh, you, you know, since the first film. Um, I mean, what one has to remember about the first film is, is it, was a, it was depicting a dystopian future. And I feel like this has you know, continued that even though in today's world, um, some of the, some of the choices, uh, uh, I guess you could call more risky, um, for, for sort of mainstream audiences. I mean, I think things, for example, like the, uh, you know, the, 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 the sexist attitude in the film, um, you see, I, I think that is just an extension of what the first film was because, you know, that dystopian future, they made it quite clear that, you know, uh, some of the replicants were designed as, as, as basically, you know, essentially sex bots. Um, you know, you had that sort of really awkward, somewhat rapey scene with, with Deckard in the first film, uh, you, you know, at the time as well. Um, and, you know, when you look at technology, whether we're talking about, you know, home video or the Internet or, you know, anything like that, you know, one of the first things that the technology is used for, and I'm not condoning this or saying it's right, but it, it is for porn, um, you know, often that's the, that that's that's the sort of first things that emerge on these sort of, uh, you know, new and, and developing technologies. So. I kind of think that um, some of that in this dystopian world that they've continued the 30 years they've continued from, from Blade Runner um, kind of makes sense in that respect. Um, and obviously in terms of continuing the story, I mean, essentially they are treading some similar ground in so much as the first film deals with, uh, you know, you've got uh, Tyrell who's, who's, a megalomaniac who's essentially playing God. And then of course we get now in this film, Wallace played by uh, Jared Leto. Shame. It wasn't David Bowie as was originally the plan, but um, that was a sad loss to the planet. But um, 
you know, uh, who's another who's another despicable, uh, you know, billionaire that's that's this, you know, corporate guy who's looking to play God again. And, um, you know, in a very dark way, I mean, you know, in in a in a terrible way. Um, So I think that in terms of a sequel uh, to to the original work, I I think it makes sense. I think it works. Um, I did like the, uh, you know, the, the, the sense of, uh, the special effects and the photography and all the designs and everything being really believable and not looking like a, you know, a typical special effects movie that we get today. And I think, you know, the thing that separates this, a lot of the sci-fi we talk about on this podcast tends to be the, you know, the space opera or the fantasy or the action film or whatever. But I mean, with this, we have gone back to the thinking man's sci-fi, oh, sorry, thinking person's sci-fi. Let's be correct about this. Thinking person's sci-fi. And, um, uh, you, you know, I think maybe this is why the film, even though critically was quite successful um you know a lot of a lot of people it didn't do as well at at the box office as they had hoped and i think it's almost to the point jason was making right at the beginning is it was a slow and long and bloated movie for the audience of today you know it isn't a spectacle piece i mean there's some very spectacular shots in it and stuff but it's not a spectacle piece in the way that uh, an mcu or a star wars movie is and you know maybe audiences weren't ready for that plus the to, to on antonia's point um you, you know in in today's world uh some of the things that this film is about is is an old uh, you know, viewpoint on, you know, the, the, the fact that it's got these, uh, you, you know, sexist overtones and, you know, like you said, holographic naked women running around and all this sort of stuff. And it doesn't, I think, necessarily wash with an audience of today. So I, I think in terms of a piece of piece of work, a piece of created art, it's a really good film. But in terms of maybe a uh, commercial movie for today's audiences, you know that's where it's failed I, I i guess but um i don't know those are just my my thoughts and i'm rambling so i'll well, shut I up now i'm just really surprised <laughs> you said it was a thinking think- thinking film or intellectual there wasn't really much thinking with it i think i zoned out part of it and no. then i came back and still nothing was happening mm, it really- no <laughs> I, I i again i disagree just from the the fact that with uh ryan gosling's character Kay. Mm. Uh, he gets to believe that he may be the actual child of the replicants. Mm. And the fact that he is uh, manipulated into thinking that way, because at the end of the day, he did not come to that conclusion himself. It was from his hologram, Joe. Oh, no, not, is it? A uh, joy. Well, it wasn't, by the yeah. way. A joy, joy, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, but which their, it came. Their, yeah. their thing but, is, but, they, they, all, they all thought they... But I just want to say that um, she is the one who plants the seed in his head. She's the one who's, you know, because of his dream that he has, which is a memory, but not his memory, she convinces him that he is, you know, a real boy. She calls him that, a real boy. 
So when he finds out that he is not, he is just a replicant, that for those few days he got to believe that he was someone with a soul. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, that's the thinking man's part. Because that's, it's like, well, what, how would you feel if that happened to you? If you were told that you were the chosen, this is the thing, that for a lot of films, the main character is the chosen one. He's the one who's supposed to go off, lead the army, win the day. This character, he is told he's the chosen one, and then he finds out he is not. He's told by a hologram that's sort of semi-stripping him. But it just, it didn't, there was no kind of, I didn't really feel any kind of like happiness or joy for him or anything because it just I didn't really care about him that much I mean it was entertaining but you kind of knew that he wasn't going to be really because it comes across as thinking man's sci-fi but it it doesn't doesn't do enough of the thinking for you it pulls too many of its punches yeah Um, it doesn't go down the right avenue to do it as well because you just I mean it kind of it became too obvious like oh I'm the chosen I have these dreams I'm like it was trying to make you mentally join dots, but then it became, it was, you know, they're trying to make it for the, not, okay, I can't say the people that don't watch sci-fi. So like, yeah, we're going to make you think this, but it just felt too obvious, didn't it? Just the fact is you think, well, it is too obvious and it's obviously not the one. I didn't know who it was. I didn't really care at some point, really, because it just felt like it, yeah, yeah. And there's so many things that weren't that explained. Sh- that should have been the, it should have been the big dramatic linchpin of the movie. You know he's he's battered senseless uh, by you know I can't even tell you what part of the what act we were in, but you know all the way through it he's thought he's had this deep relationship with this hologram and she's the one that's you know like you say planted all the seeds in his head, and then you know she gets destroyed, and then he's walking over a bridge and there's a sixty foot version of her naked, and he realizes everybody can have her. Mm. Everybody can have her, and it's at that point he realizes that everything is a lie. And the the way that he gets redemption by the end of it, and I get it, um, but I don't think most of the audience did, is that he neither joins Wallace and he neither joins the revolution. He makes a decision simply for Harrison Ford and his daughter, Deckard and his daughter, and that's how he regains his his humanity. And it's why you get the reprise of the music from, you know, when when, uh, Roy Batty dies. It's the yes, same it, piano. It's, it's like tears in snow. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that that bit of music, though, I did feel it wasn't earned. Yeah. That I don't think they should have used that piece of music for that bit. I mean, I I understand what you're saying, Jason, but the it, that that was that, that felt was, like the wrong note. But to that me. was what they were trying to make to re. You know, I think someone thought at the end, like, aha, we've got to put this in here to make this character seem like he's as good as Rutger Hauer's character. I mean, the other thing that I have issue with, and I've mentioned it before to Simon about, um, oh God, what is, what's his name? Jared Leto's character. Oh, Wallace. What a lame... Yeah. The whole thing <laughs> where I'm going to look menacing and talk like this, and I'm going to have flying fish around me that are my eyes, and I'm going to kill something I've just paid to be created to show my menacingness. It's like, oh, fuck, dude. And it, it was He's so cliche. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, if even if it was David Bowie, you'd give it its graces. But then it just felt like he was like very cliched and just, yeah, I've got money. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a baddie. I mean, I want to do this to get more money. And I, I was like, thinking, like, 
I don't really like you, obviously, but I don't really care about you, really. And it just, it was, there were so many elements to that character that it wasn't even two-dimensional, it was one-dimensional. It just, there was no, there was no point to him. And like, it, yeah, it just felt really lame. Like someone, someone sort of did a one-line idea about what the baddie would be. And that was it. I think, they didn't elaborate anymore. If we'd had a little less sticking your hand in a beehive and actually had a bit more of the blind guy, you know, whispering into the dark about how menacing he was, maybe just one more scene with him might have convinced me. And Jared Leto isn't a bad actor. He's up his own arse. But he's not a bad actor. He's a method if, actor. If he just played it... <laughs> if he uh, just played out one more scene. Um, but we, well, what did we get? We got two scenes with him? Yeah. Three? Yeah. But you think about Tyrell as the bad before. In, hour movie. Yeah. When Blade Runner, Tyrell's character, how many? There wasn't that many scenes with him, but you didn't need that many scenes with him. No. And but it no, worked no. so much better. And he was he wasn't bad, but he like like he said he was playing God, and it was it was like it was significant. But they didn't try and keep pulling it like this is what he is. This is what he is. Well, the the other thing as well is that uh, Tyrell's character was a, somebody who was always there. Mm. You know, from scene to scene, he's his shadow loomed large in that mm. film, and so you know, the replicants wanted to see him so they could get more life, and also Rachel he was worked Rachel worked for him, yeah, and um, also um, JJ Sebastian. So he was a character who he loomed. His character was always there, yeah, even though he only appeared on screen a couple of times. Yeah, with Wallace's character. You, you you really didn't get a sense that he was there at all. And, no. okay, it's interesting that they made him blind because with these films, the eye has always been part of it. Um, we had Tyrell with those, you know, magnifying glasses that made his eyes look really big. Mm. So, obviously, the filmmakers went, well, we'll make him blind. But uh, it's futuristic, so we have to have seeing devices, or as you love to call them, the flying fish. Yeah, just flying around. And little drones. Yeah, yeah. that that <laughs> stuff just didn't work. Mm. You know, it. You could have done. He could have just been blind. Yeah. You know, or he could have. He could have had the Geordie implants because that's what he looked like. He had anyway. Mm. He had little sort of LED lights bulbs on the side of his temples. He just looked high. <laughs> really doped up that was the thing like, my eyes <laughs> well it's that lighting all the time yeah. it's all sort of reflections of water on the ceiling yeah. and, stuff. and he's he's henchwoman the woman that was working for him like, love yeah just oh really it just that again that felt cliched and just honest. and the other thing is as a girl you, that I felt they were they were trying to push the boundaries like we've got women in this film and they're not just the sexy symbols that is going to be there for the boo factor but they just fell really flat with me because her character, it didn't matter. Fair enough, she was um, she, she was a rep queen, wasn't she? Yes. Because like, she wanted to be special. She wanted to be the best and the best of the best of the best. But again, it just, it wasn't, it, she, it, she could have been male, she could have been female, fair enough. But it just didn't matter with her. Because I didn't feel like, you know, she mattered. And like, she was good in the fight scene. But then, yeah, it just, I just didn't, didn't care, really. Well, I like the fact that you used the word not matter because... That seems to be rep how replicants are t 
are viewed and used in in that universe mm. that they don't matter. Mm. That's you know that's when well, I mean, one of them yeah. decides to you know make a choice and for himself, really, not really and not be manipulated because he is. You remember in this whole film, K is being manipulated not by the his uh, police captain who sends him out on this mission, mm. but also by Wallace. Well, by Wallace's company. Because they make the uh, the joy the uh, hologram, mm. you know, who she is a, a wish fulfillment. She fulfills your wishes because yeah, he wants to, he wants to be a, a real person. Yeah, and that's what she gives him. And then, as I say, he realizes that's a lie. But um, I forgot my point. <laughs> also, they really did waste Robin Wright's character. I thought you could have done so much more with her. Out of all of them, I think I liked her the most, and I would. I liked more scenes with her. Again, yeah. you know, uh, it's short shrift. She should have got more scenes in it. She was the one that realised in practical terms what would happen if they found out that replicants could give birth. Um, and and was entirely that. And I'd, I'd like to see that you just got a glimpse underneath it all that there was a really sad person that was you know facing the, 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 the end of her life. It was very cynical about the world that she was left behind in. And, and you're concentrating on... Okay, let's let's get to the the main point here. I've never been convinced by Ryan Gosling. All right, as an actor, um, everybody goes everybody goes on about him in Drive. Let's face it, he's just doing the same character that he does in Drive, and that worked in that because that that was very much you know the the style of it. But um, the only time I've ever really seen him act is in um, the Good Guys. Oh, and the Notebook. Um, you got to see the Notebook. Which one? The Notebook. The Notebook. The Romance yes, Weepy one. He's very good in that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You no, will cry. Fair enough. <laughs> but, but, yeah. um, you get to see I mean, Mel Weepy. If that up on a Sunday, I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, the thing with this film is, thematically, it's it's essentially the same as the original film, thematically, about, you know, these the sort of, what does it mean to be, you know, alive and 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 you know, that sort of thing. The big difference here is the, the fact that um, in the first film, because of the four-year lifespan, which was, you know, coming towards an end in, in, in the, at the point they set the film, for, for the replicants themselves, they really had high stakes there. You know, that was really high, which is why you sort of really buy into, like, particularly the Roy Batty character, yeah, um, you know, wanting more life and, 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 and that. Whereas in this film, because obviously they now have an extended life, suddenly from a from the replicant's point of view, that there, there aren't those stakes. So it's not as interesting from that. But, you know, now, now it's they've kind of flipped it that now it's about, you know, can they can they reproduce? Can they give birth, etc.? And but you've still got like a you know, a corporate bad guy <laughs> who is, I agree, very one dimensional. I, I didn't particularly care for the, uh, the Wallace character in this film. Um, you, you know, which, which again is, is somewhat of a retread. Uh, I think, uh, Tyrell was a lot more interesting though. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I, I think that's kind of the problem is, is it, even though it's set 30 years later, the essentially the film is about the same thing and you know nothing has really moved on apart from the fact that you know replicants now last longer and they are, um, they are aware they're replicants 
and they are that's aware that's the thing yes. I, thought, I thought well fair enough they are aware now they that they are replicants and they've given them flats to live in and they can pretend to eat you know they, they made them you know try and live human lives well the Roy Batty and the four replicants that went to earth mm. They knew they were replicants. No, but then it like, was uh, Rachel was an experiment. Rachel didn't know. Rachel yeah. didn't know. No, but then I don't know how I, well, I know this, but there were some that didn't weren't aware. I don't know what like something Deckard said, but some of them weren't aware they were replicants because they were just made to be there. No, there's Deckard never makes any reference of that at all. I don't know how I know it, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, it might have been in one of the books. No, but I'm just I'm just saying. What you may mean is mm. Deckard, if he was a replicant... Which is never addressed. ...didn't know if he was a replicant or not. Yeah. I think that's a good thing, it's well, not I think, addressed. I think... Um, I don't know how I know, but they didn't know they were replicants because they didn't want them to ruin their their work. Like, so imagine if you found out you are a replicant. You wouldn't want to be doing the, the remedial job or anything. You'd want to be like the replicants that are trying to find a way to live longer. I, I agree that... There was a hint somewhere, and I can't remember where it was, that they were out there. It was to explain the fact that Deckard was out there and wasn't aware that he was a replicant, which is, you know, vestigial from the uh, the, the, the the original novel, where they, they try and con him into thinking that he is a replicant um, in, in the fake police station. And then, of course, it, found, it, it, it turns out later on that he is human. So that's that's where the uh, the movie adaptation uh, sort of thing. But also, it was, it was to give the idea that Rachel was an experiment. They didn't know how long her lifespan was. Um, so there, there was all that sort of obfuscation at the, at the end of Blade Runner. Will they survive? Won't they? Is he a replicant? Is she a replicant? Um, again, the, 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 I don't think that was designed by uh, Ridley Scott. I think he hid behind it to give the movie some depth um, because we've sin- since found out in his... Um, and in later interviews that he is convinced that Deckard is a replicant. Yeah. Well, it's funny that he just didn't carry that along with this film. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Ridley Scott is only the producer on this, and he, I think he's... I, I don't know how much input he's had on it. I don't think much, to tell the truth. I think he just gave his blessing and went off to do Alien Covenant. Yeah. Well, just, yeah. just from the fact that recently Ridley Scott is ruining his previous films, <laughs> you know, with I, as much as I enjoyed Prometheus. You enjoyed it? Well, I'd enjoy parts of it. I, I enjoy the idea of it, but I, the fact that this is supposed to be connected to Alien, I mean, I certainly didn't enjoy Alien Covenant at all. So I enjoy Prometheus more than Alien Covenant, but it doesn't mean I enjoy Prometheus. Mm. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just yeah, like, there's, the, there's a whole cu- there's a whole podcast on that one. Yes, yeah. yes, yes yeah. <laughs> but can I ask you guys which version did you? Can I say grow up? Which version did you grow up with? Did you grow up with the director's cut or the voiceover? Because I, I didn't see up. the voiceover until yeah. years later, and then I thought this just sits wrong. Because it just yeah, it really. Well, I, me. I I I I think I can say for three of us that we all grew up with the theatrical cut with the voiceover. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with with the voiceover and the in the uh, confusing, shining, happy ending. <laughs> but, but we we all knew we all knew of the legend that was the director's cut before director's cut came along, and that was you know that that Ridley Scott said that the voiceover was forced on him, 
Um, it doesn't even sound like Harrison Ford. It sounds terrible. Um, well, it's an unenthusiastic and, Harrison Ford. Oh, God, he yeah, want to yeah. do it. So, you, you know, unfortunately, um, Harrison, he, he is one of those actors that if he doesn't actually want to do something, I'm afraid it comes across in the performance, and uh, which is my yeah. issue with Return of the Jedi. But that's a whole other podcast as well. But, uh, you, 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 you know. Um, well, do, I have a question. Do you think he was enthusiastic in this one? Because he did look like he just turned up to work in his t-shirt and jeans hmm. <laughs> well i think you get the feeling that they said to him just yeah turn up you won't require to do much just a bit here and a bit there and then you're done for the day it felt like a what a three-day shoot and then he was all right he's off well it, i don't it, know if it I, I think it was more than that but i mean it you know deckard had a, a certain look about him hmm. you know costume wise and then for him to sort of been wearing you know a grey t-shirt and chinos. chinos or jeans or whatever it was you know I think the the problem with this film was there was too many touches of of the modern day because Blade Runner yeah. it looked futuristic I you had were turning you because you were saying you love the film and now we're kind of making you go <laughs> <laughs> well I have my problems with it yeah I mean but that that's just a reflection on, on modern day filmmaking because Absolutely. the future has caught up with with the now quite quickly I mean when the original Blade Runner came out you didn't have video phones you didn't mm. have flying cars flying there, there was stuff in there that it looked totally yeah, futuristic but yeah. now with with Blade Runner 2049 I mean you had the whole thing where Joy was a mobile phone mm. I mean that whole scene where she stops midway so he can take a call mm. that is very now Mm. which the original Blade Runner never did. Blade Runner never sort of took stuff from then mm. and put it into the film, which uh, this one does. I wonder if they get buffering then. <laughs> but um, this is one thing I thought of <laughs> after watching, saying about the director's cut and the original version. I think that I would like this film more if it had a Ryan Gosling voiceover, because then it would be more personable. Then you'd, un- <laughs> then you'd have a history, you'd understand well, something. Christ, no. You're asking a lot from the man by doing that. I mean, he's practically slept through this. He's got a big chin. He can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I just felt that would that would make you more that would make it like more personable on his his side, and then maybe he could explain more about the history and the war and this and that and that what he's thinking rather than the staring into the middle distance kind of things he kept doing, and just yeah, because it just felt it, it, it's the only way I could think they could have salvaged it because then it. You know, it would have been a little sort of nice touch to say now that Ridley Scott, oh, they were putting a voiceover into it where before it didn't need a voiceover and was better without the voiceover. And the voiceover with this one would have worked better. Because then you could ex- it could have been explained a bit more. Or just mm. you could have felt in touch with it rather than sort of like, you know, not really that interested. Maybe. But mm. I mean, it's an interesting point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because um, I don't know uh, how many films do you know that have voiceovers that really, really work? I mean, Apocalypse Now. Fight Club. Yeah. Fight Club. Yeah. I mean, I I think initially the idea of the uh, the voiceover on the original Blade Runner was to, was was kind of another throwback to the sort of film noir detective yeah. Um, yeah. story kind of thing. You know, it was trying to make it idiot proof. Well, well yeah, exactly. From the middle of nowhere, that, that just didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't understand yeah, um, it. You got to remember the the. There was there was actual several versions of a voiceover recorded before the yes. one they used. That one was kind of forced on by the producers because there was producers on the film that you know 
they they weren't happy with what was happening with the film. Yeah. And um, you know, they um had the sort of a controlling stake in it. Uh but even Ridley Scott after the first previews said, Hmm, maybe maybe we do need like a happy ending or and you know, if you know about Ridley Scott's films, how there's been many different versions over the years, is usually because he's been convinced that what he's done originally is wrong. Mm. The four hour cut of Kingdom of Heaven is far superior to the theatrical cut at two hours. You know, there's a whole half of a film cut out, which makes the film mm -hmm. a lot better. And I don't know if it was, you know, the studio convinced him to make it shorter or you know, or something that he saw. Hmm. But it, it, you see that a lot. I mean, that's why there's always directors... He has loads of director's cuts because yeah. he, he's convinced at some point in the filmmaking process that what he's done is wrong. That's just yeah. really quite sad. But then... Yeah. He's a man that can be easily rocked because, you know, in the original Blade Runner, Roy Batty just saves um, Deckard and then dies. And it was um, Howard that walked up and said, um, hey, I've... Um, I've written a few things, see what you think. And he read it and he says, yeah, let's give it a try. And it was him who came out with the Tears and Rain speech. Wow. Um, which which is so profound. I mean, that's so, because that to mm. me, that, that line sums up exactly what the film is about. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, when, when you do end, it is like, you, you know, the, the Tears in Rain analogy is amazing. I mean, you know, hats off to Rutger for that, because that's, that's, that's incredible. Well, I, from what I remembered that from the documentary that Charles made, there, there was a speech. There's always been a speech. Uh, Rutger Howard didn't write the whole thing. There was a, but he came up to Scott and said, this is really long. I'm dying here. I don't think I can say all this stuff. So he, mm -hmm. he loved the stuff, the, the visionary, you know, visionary stuff about, you know, the um, Tenhauser Gate, you know, the tax ships on fire. Mm. But it was, it was Rugda Howe who came up with the line, Tears and Rain. Mm. And that's, that's, that's the thing Which that I sells that speech. That always had like a Vietnam kind of feel to it. I don't know why. Even though when I first saw it, like, there's something kind of, you know. Oh, yeah. Who's lived a life, lived a long life. Because that always made me wonder... Again, that kind of goes back to uh, the new Blade Runner, where you know they had these memories put in because to make them feel like they were real people, that yeah. they had a history. It's like were they his memories of the, you know, the battleships on fire and you know the tears and the rain, the poetry he had in his soul. Whose did it belong to? It belonged to him. Yeah. Uh, he he was a combat unit, you know, uh, replicant. He had gone out and but his four years, he'd seen a lot. That was the thing about the replicants and the original Blade Runners within that four year lifespan they had lived a lot they mm. lived large that's why they're such memorable characters yeah they were just desperate to live more, more so yeah. that was that thing that um, you couldn't begrudge them for that because that's 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 how you know we, we take life for granted but they desperately wanted to live well the, the totally, thing yeah. the thing about the original is and that they didn't really give a crap in this one <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the originals is the replicants even though they're painted as the villains are really the heroes because oh, totally. because Deckard yeah. is the villain Deckard mm. shoots two women in the back mm. he unarmed. never he never shoot he never kills the men mm. he never mm. kills Leon he never kills Roy it's Rachel who kills Leon mm. and uh, Roy he sort of you know, he saves Deckard and then dies. Mm. No, absolutely. I mean, um, I remember that sort of uh, time when the 
when the uh, director's cut came out it was it was rather unique because at the time most director's cuts were longer versions of the film right so for this one to actually be slightly shorter was was kind of um odd you know but i'll never forget that that's when you know that for me was when i first saw it on the big screen um and i first understood what blade runner was about because you know, when I saw it as a kid on, on home video and the thing, you know, I, I, I was looking at all the spectacle of it, but I wasn't really sort of reading the, the deeper meaning of it. So for me, I, I guess my, well, well, I like, I mean, and, and, you know, uh, our good friend Charles, you know, what he did, I, I, you know, I really, I really like the final cut of Blade Runner. I've watched that twice recently. And, uh, you know, that, that, that to me is the uh, is the version of the film that uh, that I think works in terms of the original, but I mean with with this film, um, one of the things that, uh, that 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 you know also it, it, it kind of I think does quite well is is it just shows you how you know fucked to the environment is basically i mean i don't know about you guys but i I wouldn't want to live in that world (laughs) i I just thought it was like grim beyond belief and uh you you know i think by opening up the you know obviously we just got to see los angeles 2019 in the first film but um you, you know opening it up and seeing you know more of more of california uh, and, 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 you know, a, a very different sort of vista and landscape. I, I think it did sort of just make you realize how that dystopian future, just how dystopian it, it actually is. And, uh, one of the things that made me kind of chuckle, actually, you know, living in this sort of digital world that we do is I thought it was quite amusing about the, uh, that had happened between the two films, the the electric pulse that had, that had uh, got rid of all the sort of digital data in the world. So it was only the analog recordings left. I thought to myself, oh, is that is that like the, uh, you know, the generation of this filmmaker having a dig at the um, at the millennials or something? But I thought that did make me chuckle somewhat. <laughs> but you know, the one thing they got about the, the world they got wrong is that in the original Blade Runner, it wasn't overpopulated. That's, 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 well, you you had your street scenes. Yes, you had your street scenes. But the thing is, you had, um, so in 2049, um, Kay lives in a building that's overcrowded. You know, people are living out on the corridors and stuff. In the original Blade Runner, (laughs) yes, I'm just saying, (laughs) but in in the original Blade Runner, J.J. Sebastian had a whole building to himself. Because well, the population had gone to Derelict the building, so he, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Deckard had a, a a great apartment which didn't have anybody really living there. I mean, I think it just goes back to Jason's point about the fact that those who were left behind were kind of the dregs. Hmm. Yeah, the discounts. Yeah, the ones who yeah, can, yeah, 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 and can, well, that are just weren't genetically superior enough. Well, ba- basically, we've got a year to develop, you know, artificial people, off-world colonies and flying cars. My God. More than <laughs> that, multi- you've got colonies of thousands <laughs> of kids with shaven heads. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> who are even worse actors than the ones you got at the end of The Force Awakens. Um, and God, just <laughs> going on forever. 
Um, whereas I always had the feeling that Earth was dying in the original version of it, and there should be even less people on it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, do you remember the advertisement they had in the original Blade Runner? They were sort of, they were selling it like it was American Dream, like you know, get jobs and find your dreams. And yeah, the off world colonies. Yeah. 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 So again, if it, but the thing is, like this one, it, it kind of didn't even mention that sort of stuff. It just felt no. like everyone was stuck on Earth again. It's like what what happened? Did did they get you know like um. Air processing plants and Earth saved again. No, I always had the idea that it was just doomed and it was time to get to Mars and things like that. I mean, I mean, I have to say it's one of the things. And again, I'm not saying that this is this is a good thing because a, a two and a half hour film should probably, uh, you know, include all this. But on on the um, on the home media release, there are three sort of short films that that that's bridge the gap between yeah uh, the first one. film and this and it deals with things like it deals with some of the war and it deals with some of the um planet pollution and it deals with that sort of uh, digital boom you know the the the, the emp thing and it, it does all this sort of stuff and it sets up a bit of wallace as well but um but again you know much like they did with the matrix uh, sequels you know that these films should work without having to watch all that stuff as well. And that stuff should just be, you know, a little bit of extra, you know, fleshing out for people who are really interested. It shouldn't actually be key plot points that, that, that you need to understand something. So it's that, it's that sort of fine line with all this, this EU stuff, isn't it? With, with that stuff. But, um, but I must admit, I've never read, I, I know you guys, I'm, I'm clearly the one who hasn't here. I, I, I've never read any of the, um, y- you know, the other potential sequel material that was out there. I mean, I'm very aware that there were, a f- was it two or three books or something? But, there was uh, two books. Yeah. yeah. Was it? T- okay. But I, I've not read those, so I don't know how they can really this. miss much. There was like nice elements in it. Like they did capture the spirit, but then it just felt like fluff. Well, I mean, right. the, the other thing as well is um, with the second one, um, which was, I think, was it The Edge of Blade Runner or something like that? Yeah. Uh, the, the the second one was that um, Rachel is in, like, suspended animation or frozen or she's in some sort <laughs> of capsule and Deckard goes back to try and save her. Or oh, they didn't fridge the heroin, did they? Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. And of course, when she what comes, and when she <laughs> when he gets back, he finds out that uh, the real Rachel, the real niece of Tyrell, is now running the corporation, mm. and he encounters like other versions of Leon and Roy Batty, and you know they're they're all being kind of disposed of. And what's happening is the real Rachel is actually disassembling her uncle's company to the point where she then takes on the mantle of of Rachel. She becomes she actually takes her place in the I don't know freezing chamber or whatever, but convinces Deckard that um, that she he is she is his love. And you know the real Rachel is just discarded, and you also get the feel that feeling that Deckard knows that this is the you know the real Rachel, and he doesn't care. That's right. a bit. Cre- so it is a bit creepy. Yeah. So they they take that sort of um, like they did with Battlestar Galactica approach, where the 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 models are you know you have a number of those particular models. Oh so, yeah. So the ones we see in the first film, they're then they're, they're not. 
unique individual models there are a number of them with that sort of physical yeah. personality etc oh, i see okay yeah they went that route okay when was that written when were they written well they <laughs> they were written i believe I it was in the 90s in the 90s yeah oh, but right. i they must yep. have come out before the director's cut because there's no mention of deckard being a replicant mm. mm-hmm. and it's not even connected mm-hmm. at all with like um philip k dick's book it just goes no, straight from the film, film. yeah Right, yeah, the sequels to the film rather than Philip K. Dick's short story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. I was going to mention this before I forget it, but I remember someone saying to me that um, they went to Tokyo and they said the Tokyo now looks like the Blade Runner or the original Blade <laughs> yeah. Runner because there is, it really does look like that, all that neon. All the, and I remember um, reading, I think it was one of the books about Blade Runner where um, Ridley Scott was saying that. He got a bit of inspiration from going down Camden to where the food the food stores mm. are. Yeah. Not so much now because right. it's all been decimated. But you know that where there's all those oriental food and they, they're throwing food yeah. at you and you sit there, you stand there and eat at the same time. And so yeah. it was a bit like Tokyo. Mm. And I thought that was really quite fascinating, like, you know, they did catch that element. But again, with those films, you did feel like there was a cultural influence, like people had gone out and seen this, for, this is a bit like the future. And this one, it didn't feel like anything, really. <laughs> Well, this that is the thing. It's um, the the snake eating itself because at the end of the day, Blade Runner was such an influence on other films. Yeah. That yeah, for when they came to do the sequel, everybody's seen it because every other filmmaker's copied it. The thing is, you know, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, but it was one of those <laughs> films. I don't think it needed a sequel. It it if it if it stood, no, stood alone oh. as Blade Runner the film, and that was it. It's yeah, no, I agree with that. Have been perfect. Well, that, that was it. If you were going to do a sequel to one of the most loved sci-fi films of the eighties, you better bring something good to the table. And I don't think this did. It was terribly super. It looked great, but it was terribly superficial. I mean, one of the the saddest elements in the the eighty two movie was carried on from the title of the original book, where there were no more animals left on the earth. The, the, most everything was extinct. So what people would do if they had money was buy replicant animals. And, um, you know, you, you get that where he says, uh, is the owl real? And he goes, no, it's, uh, it's artificial. Um, no, it's Rachel that says that, isn't it? Do you like our owl? Um, and, and, you know, the, the bizarre that he goes through later on to find the snake seller. Um, and there's like llamas going by and all that. And you know they're all artificial. And there's mm. that, that. And the snake him, was. So. Yeah, very subtle touches that are like really make the universe for you. This idea that the um, you know, the Earth is just dead and it's just Erzat's sort of um stuff that you get. We only get a tip of the hat to that with the dog that's with Deckard, and and it's done as a joke. It's like, is he real? I don't know. Ask him. Um, yeah. yeah th- th- again, Have some whiskey. There's, none of, there's <laughs> yeah. none of that jeopardy. Um, in this movie, it's pretty, but there's nothing underneath it all. Um, when when Wallace kills the replicant, I don't care. Um, but when we get the big fist fight at the end in the water, I'm not really caring on that either. I was entertained, but I wasn't fulfilled. And was it you said, because he's a replicant, um, Ryan Gosling's character, you didn't feel any kind of sense of danger for him? Because he's, he's, no. you know, he's not really, he's not human, you stab, stab, stab him, he's going to be all right. We're like Deckard's he's character. Off, he's, he's human. He's, he's fallible. Yeah. yeah. With these guys, you kind of think, well, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right, but I don't really care about you. And if you die, well, you know, they can just give you new batteries. 
It just that's what it kind of felt like for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I, I've got a, a friend of mine who lives in the US, um, who I went to film school with. It was a massive fil- a fan of the original, um, you know, massive Ridley Scott fan, and particularly a fan of that film. And um, I asked him, you know, obviously what he thought of the remake, because because you know, and I, I I agree with you what you're saying, Antonio. In one respect, is was Blade Runner a film that even needed a sequel? You know, I. I, I I've often sort of questioned that. Um, obviously, this is Hollywood business stuff that's made this happen. But um, I asked him what he thought. And, and you know, he, he came back and said to me that from his point of view, he actually thought it was the best film of 2017. You know, um, it, it totally delivered uh, on everything he thought, even though, you know, obviously a massive fan of the original too. So, um, you, you know, part of me does feel like there are, there's a lot of this film, um, that, 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 that is sort of retreading, uh, the original film in, in some ways. Um, you, you know, with the, especially with the, um, you know, the, the villain playing God and, and all of that sort of stuff. But, uh, but, you, you know, it is a beautiful looking film and I'm so glad that it, you know, it, it got the cinematography award, etc. Because, um, y- y- you know, that was amazing. And uh, I did, I was lucky enough to go see it with a and a with Denis Villeneuve. And um, he was talking about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, he, he didn't want, he said for him, shooting on green screens and virtual sets and, 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 and that wasn't his way of filmmaking. So, you know, most of what you see in the film, I mean, of course there's a lot of CG in it as well, but a lot of what you see in terms of the sets and the landscapes and everything are either a mixture of locations or, or practical sets. And, um, you you know, I, I think that, uh, that, that, you know, you can sort of tell that I think to a certain extent, um, with the film. So I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very n- nicely made film, but yes, I, I would, I wouldn't argue with anyone who's, who would turn around and say, was a sequel to Blade Runner really necessary? Because, you know, I asked that same question, but having said that, I don't think what they've come up with is necessarily that bad. You know, I, I, I quite enjoy it. I mean, one I thing I felt was that it was kind of disconnected with itself because, um, you guess, as you said, it was like visually stunning, but it didn't feel like it just felt like because when you see the um, the end of it and see all the names scrolling past, there's a lot of people involved, but I kind of feel like oh, yeah. every, there was just too much going on. That was people's own like I worked on this film, I'm working on Blade Runner, which is like good props to them, like because there is some amazing stuff in like the the designs and the things they did, but it just felt like it was a mishmash. Maybe I mean not a mishmash, probably not the right word. But it just felt like it was indulgent, not for the film itself, but for the people working on the film. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, definitely, you, you know, I, I, I can't fault uh, Villeneuve, Roger Deakins and Dennis Glasner, who was the um, uh, production designer on it. You know, those three working as a team on this uh, to sort of create the look of this film. You know, I th- I think they did that well in a in a way of also being respectful and expanding on the original, um, definitely. But but no, I I, I agree. I, I think in terms of um, some of the 
you know thematics in the film you know they are they are largely the same as the original but not but they don't quite work in so much as it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's got the depth and the layers of the original and i don't know whether that's just because you know i just don't know whether that's just because of where we are in life now compared to where we were when we first saw the original film or or or, or what i don't really know I, that that's that's one of those tricky questions that i haven't quite figured out in my own head but um but definitely uh y- you know whereas i think it's a an enjoyable sequel and a good extension uh, of the world um yeah i i it doesn't it doesn't hold in my heart in the way that the original blade runner does and i think there's a lot more there's a lot more stakes, a lot more depth, and a lot more emotion going on in the original than there is in this one. So, but are you going to be talking about this film in twenty years, no, thirty years time? I don't think so. <laughs> I just want Good to question. say, yeah, but I just want to say it's a shame the film was a uh, wasn't a box office success because it does mean that it will be a long time till studios try and take a risk like this again. I mean, we, well, that's not we, a bad thing. No, because it is a bad thing. Because if agree or disagree that it was going for a, an intelligent sci-fi film, the fact is, you know, they were that was what their aim was. And the thing is, studios won't back that kind of storytelling for a while until it proves that it can make money. So for all those people who are out there saying, "Oh, you know, we." I'm fed up with superheroes and fed up with Star Wars and fed up with this. We can get more of it because that's what's making the money. Mm. Yeah, See, yeah. That's, no, it's a shame. That's, I mean, there's a lot of... That's what Hollywood understands. Shame. But then, I mean, the sequel yeah. was a long time coming. I think I read about it in yeah. 2000. They wanted to make a sequel and it didn't come through. And I think that was the thing. Like Because there's a surge of all these films coming back, they, they're, they're picking whatever they can pick and they thought, what haven't we done? What sort of like... We could do differently. Blade Runner. Well, you know, you know what I heard t- today that they're remaking. What? Cannonball Run. Oh, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. Do that, didn't they do that film? There was something similar like that. It was like Cannonball Run. It had um, it's all star cast. So Ron Atkinson and Cuba Oh, it was, it was it was a really lame film. Oh, is that one where... Oh, uh, Rat Race. Rat Race, that's yeah, it. That's yeah, that's where we on the cinema uh, when we were working. Which, which was actually a, a, a tried to be a, a retread of uh, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Yeah, yeah. That's but, right. yeah it was just that was probably quite similar to it. As long, yeah. as, as, long as I don't do Smoke in the Bandit, we'll be okay. Oh, that'll be next. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Has everybody seen the, the trailers for Magnum P.I.? No, no. I t- I've heard it's oh, terrible. Shit. Yeah, keep away. Really, keep away. I think they they didn't make this film with the right heart, really, did they? They didn't. Well, they wanted to make it because they thought this they is what's going I think I, I, I disagree. I don't think no, it, I, if they wanted Ryan to make Gosling, it money, they would they just. They chose Ryan Gosling because he's an now actor and because he's relatively mm. pretty somehow. And then, you know. Yeah, they, they picked, I mean, Harrison picked... Ford, when he was picked, he wasn't exactly an unknown. He'd done Star Wars and he'd just come off doing well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, but that's, that's fair game. But the thing is, you could, you, they just, I mean, fair enough, some of the actors weren't that big. But they didn't really pick it with the right frame of mind and right heart. I mean, yes, they had money behind it. Yes, they had people that had done other work. But it didn't feel like well, it had a heart. Okay, question for you yeah, then. I mean, if I'm if you had a chance sure. to cast this. Who would you have cast in the lead? I would have gone like probably, you know, an unknown. Fassbender. 
And I, I didn't. I, I probably who? <laughs> oh, playing another Android. Yeah. I put I put Fassbender in anything though. <laughs> so yeah. does Ridley Scott. <laughs> with, his, with his flutes. Oh, I do the fingering. <laughs> you blow. You blow. No, but the thing is, I think if they'd done it with a better frame of mind, maybe made it smaller, but then made it feel bigger, and maybe even focused on the war or something, made it with more heart, because this one, it didn't really know what it wanted to do. That's the thing, like, again, with the original, there was kind of like this element of spirituality, religion, culture, this and this and this. With this one, it just didn't feel like it was connecting everywhere. And it's just too stylistic. You can keep, you know, looking at me like, now you're wrong. But the thing That's is, it wasn't not that. I did not watch this in 10 I, years' time. I, I think you're... My you're... parents couldn't watch this. They weren't actually, they did watch it, but they just, they, they think they fell asleep halfway through. Because it was so... It wasn't any involved. They were out... They, my, my, I, my I, I must admit, I agree with Jason when... when when it comes to the original Blade Runner, everything we're kind of talking about, I came down to being a happy accident. Because yeah. at the end of the day, what Ridley Scott wanted to make was a detective story that was set in the future. The original script was all set indoors. Mm. And Ridley Scott said, I wanted to see what's outside the window. I wanted, it, I wanted the world to support what was, you know, inside. But that's fair game. The man is, is what, he's in his 70s now. Yeah. So you kind of think, you know, he might know better like what does and doesn't work. But this film, it just felt like someone had an idea, let's have a large naked woman, let's do a desert scene, let's do a snow scene, let's do this thing of a frigging tree. It just felt like they had no, visual ideas. No, I, I, this is the thing, this sequel could have been far worse. It, it could have been, it oh, could have been yeah. trash. Yeah. yeah. could have been absolute trash. So the fact that we got something yeah, that trash, was... Trash can it was decent. I mean, it was pretty decent for what it was. Mm. I mean, you know, we can, we can, t- it's, you know, like any film, you can tear it apart. You know, you yeah, can say I this mean, is wrong, that's wrong. But at the end of the day, they went for something that... Um, you know, in in mainstream cinema today, they don't go for because it doesn't work. No, yeah. I mean, I d- I don't know this for a fact, and I've no idea. But do you think, um, you know, this film got green lit because of you know Harrison Ford going back and doing, uh, you know, Star Wars, the the Force Awakens, and whatever? Do you, do you think that that's kind of what got this film? You know, green no. lit. I know. I think no. that, that was part of the element because they're, they're riding that train. They're riding the Ridley Scott train. They're riding all this other like you know science fiction action's got this resurgence. So they're just riding the train of it, like you know. But then they just didn't like I said. I'm going to keep saying it. They didn't have the right heart with it because it doesn't touch in any of the elements. And fair enough, it was a happy accident with the other. Maybe happy accidents are what made the whole storyline work. I mean. Imagine reading the original, original, original scripts. I mean, have you read the original, original scripts? I know about the original, original scripts, yeah. yes. It could have been diabolical, but it was a happy accident. It just worked together in the editing. So what was well, it? yeah, what? A, lot, a lot of it's safe in the editing. I mean, the, a lot of the continuity areas that were in the original one, what was the film which was? I actually missed from the final cut, you know, they, they came out of the editing because the timeline was that after he killed Zora, mm. then he had the confrontation with Leon... Then he met up with the police captain, but they switched that around. I think the film we watched the other week, um, was it Brazil? Yeah. And he said there was like, you know, the issues that had with that being made and yeah. the ed- editing he did with the actress. Well, that's, that's different. They, they, they had an actress who, you know, wasn't the best choice. 
and so a lot of her performance was made in the editing mm. um, he because I, I know the editor of the film he was one of my tutors at Panico he did point out that in the truck driving scene when they go and pick up the uh, sort of the house that uh, a lot of the times when she looks over to him you know gives him that look she was actually looking at the clapperboard because every time they moved the clapperboard in front of her and moved it away she her eyes would follow it so he just would use that you know in editing but i'll tell you most editors will tell you that you know the from when the cameras roll to they stop any bit of footage no matter if it's action or not action is usable mm. can be used and can be formed you know used to to form you know a performance yeah. but you know it's funny you bring up brazil because brazil was one of those films that you know di- directly um you know used blade runner as a template it was that dystopian future mm. the whole idea mm. of everything being big and run down and but in this case very british yeah but they did capture the element of that i mean god god i hope they don't make a sequel of that you know it's it's, it's, it's kind of scary now what what next are they going to ruin for you yeah, just sort of dismantle. Well, they're they're going through all the back catalogs because they don't want to take risks on anything because everything is so expensive to make. I mean, think of it: how much did the original Blade Runner cost to make? I think it was ten million. Mm, which is a lot. This though. this Blade Runner twenty forty nine costs over a hundred million to make. Was that just for Ryan Gosling's hair? The original, the original. Well, mind you, this is who, who knows if what what's online is correct or not, but. Yeah, the the budget of the original Blade Runner was twenty eight million, um, and twenty forty nine is uh, do they have that? Yeah, one hundred and eighty five million. So, but then again, obviously that's thirty five years between the two as well. What costs so much? Because a the cost of everything's gone up. Yeah, very fair. And also the fact that you know what was supposed to make things cheaper CGI actually doubled the costs because at the end of the day um, studios love CGI because they understand it they understand people sitting in cubicles because the studios are run by corporations now they're owned by Sony or you know Disney or they, they always have a company above them mm. you know and they they you know they're known for make you know like Sony makes TVs you know, so they understand people in cubicles baking stuff. So that's how they understand CGI. So you're dealing with an office complex instead of maybe a, a team of about ten people doing models and makeup. We have to admit the model aspect is making a resurgence. Anyway, sorry. Well, this film, this film had a lot of practical, um, mm. you know, craft on it. A lot of, and and you, you know, and again, inspired by what Sid Mead did on the on the original Blade Runner, you know, in terms of that design and stuff. So, But this time you know, they had a lot more because in the original Blade Runner, they more or less had the studio backlot of Warner Brothers. A lot mm-hmm. of that was the same street, just redressed to make it look different. Apart from a few locations, you know, outside of the studio, it's more or less the same. It's the same studio lot they used. So one, the other reason why it's got a lot bigger or the the price of it got more is because they used they went out and they used more locations, used more studio space. Mm. You know, a, a lot of money. Well, 
we live in an age of spectacle. Everything has to be bigger. Everything has to be better. Have mm. you know? So mm. that's why, you know, I, I sort of. I'm sure Harrison's the, yeah. fee was pretty happy. Oh, I'm sure everybody's well. fee was pretty happy. <laughs> but that's one of the things I kind of condone about the film was that it was slow paced. That you know, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, you was, say it's bombastic, but comparison compared to other films, it's not, is it? It, it if was, you compare it to like um, I'd say Star Trek I mean you know within half an hour you know Kirk's gone f- from losing his father to growing up you know going rogue <laughs> you know to joining Starfleet completing Starfleet he's on this Starship Enterprise you know <laughs> that's like in the first 30 minutes yeah, well, the pace of that film is is amazing, but yeah, it's like, uh, but th- this is yeah, I mean, this is a different thing. This is like I was saying at the beginning. This is this is aimed, I think, at a different audience, and that is what part of the problem is with 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 the Hollywood system nowadays is the fact that uh, they want everything to have a mass audience now, you know, in order to remake the huge budget that these films have, and 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 you know, this is. This is a problem. I'm sure, you know, I mean, I have no doubt this film will do do well on home media and stuff. I mean, it's already it's already more than made back. It's 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 money. Um, but whether or not it's made enough money back to to warrant a, a third film in the in the franchise. Um, who knows? Who knows what they're going to do there? They'll probably make a TV series. <laughs> you know. the thing is like don't you think all these sort of like massive budget films you lose the creativity it's like i mean when you've got to do something on a budget and you've got to use your brain and you can't just keep throwing money at it throwing money at things doesn't make it better it doesn't make the quality no, more no. you know well this is why this is why the blumhouse model is having such success because those are capped at a certain level and it gives and and you know and and he gives the filmmaker the 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 you know the freedom the creative freedom to work within that budget and that's why i mean okay that's largely been in the horror genre to date but um but but you know no doubt that will uh you, you know maybe may, maybe that that will adopt by others as well i don't know i mean, I, mean yeah. I, think, I would like to think the studio might learn a lesson from it that throwing money at something is not going to make it better. <laughs> Throwing a pretty face like Ryan Gosling at it is not going to make it better. Putting Harrison Ford up in it is not going to always make it better. But the thing is, like, you think about all the classic films from the 80s, the acting was shocking. But nowadays you want to have the bombastic and you have the great acting, but the great actors or the actors of now, they cost too much money. It's just the whole, they, they're really not, they're almost lazy, and like I said, indulgent in how they're making... The, these big budget films now because they're not even trying it's just it's really they're picking the person that's of now in this field doing where like doing this that the, the I, art I, doing I, this doing I mean, design you, you're talking about the hollywood system of the last 30 40 years yeah i mean it's always been about who's in who's out i mean you're, you're dealing with an industry that you know they just they they want the safe option they they want the sure bet. Yeah, hence it, hence why we're getting remakes after remakes because they know that their audience recognition of a name is what will get people to go and see it. If they've never heard of it before, hmm. most people are less likely to go and see it. And it's it's a shame because you know there's a lot of creativity sort of being 
pushed aside mm. for stuff we just regurgitating the same stories over and over again yeah but i don't think it's sad like so in the space of what 13 years it is we've had three incarnations of spider-man yeah. three yeah when yeah. have you ever heard of anything like that before i mean fair enough that's the whole marvel selling it to one of us sony but it, it's just yeah. i kind of you know i hope this this film not succeeding will be will start a trend or something but no i just but that's the thing it's just it just shows hollywood that you we've know got, um, we've got bumblebee coming out soon <sighs> Exactly, which is going to be two hours of lots of explosions and transforming. I mean, it's. I mean, I just, I just, I just want to say. I mean, yeah. I mean, the end of the day, this, this is, you know, okay. It's, it's kind of the style is a throwback to a a film back in the seventies and early eighties, and the, the thing is, it just, it's shown Hollywood that you know audiences don't want to see that kind of stuff the stuff that, that we keep complaining about mm. is gets you know they get the big box office and that's what people want to see and it's a shame because there are probably films out there you know classics that won't get made because you know it doesn't fit the current trend i mean to think of it you know when are we going to see a film like 2001 in the, in the cinema again Mm. You know that those kinds of films are we don't get now because Hollywood does not want to put the money into those kind of films because they feel they won't make the money back, and they're now mm-hmm. at a point where they have to put pour so much money into a film. I mean, we talk about the budget. <laughs> you forget about the advertising budget. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, which has to be huge now. I, I, I mean, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, we're we're here talking as, you know, film fans, filmmakers, and creative people. All right. So, we 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 come with a certain amount of bias about all this stuff, just because it's what we're passionate about. Um, you, you know, and and we like to sort of fault the Hollywood studio or the Hollywood system for this, but it's at the end of the day it is the it is the audience it's the general public that kind of um you you know create these trends and i i've spoken to people who are you, you know most of my friends and most people i work with are obviously creatives or in the industry or whatever but i you know i, I i've spoken to some people outside and when I've mentioned Blade Runner, they, they've just said, you know, not just about 2049, but even about the original one, that they just think it's slow and boring because they don't want to, 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 to sit and think about what the film's really about. They want something that they can, you know, sit down with a pizza or, or a pu- bucket of popcorn and just, you know enjoy just leave the brain at the door after a hard day at work and and enjoy and that's why these big spectacle movies that that you know people can take their kids to see and whatever are are the ones that are you you know doing well at the box office nowadays and 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 films like this which does fall into more of a in inverted commas art film category admittedly a fucking expensive art film but you know that category that's that's why you know they're not doing as well but uh, you know even while i say that it's still a success it's still made money so Mm. you know and and it was critically acclaimed i do feel like you guys included mm, you really wanted to love this film to love this film and you're Mm. you're, you're right 
you are hampered by that factor. And like, I'm going right. to I'm going to say this to you guys in 20 years time like you're going to watch it again. And you're not going to be bothered because you're you wouldn't you're not involved. I disagree. I mean, I've seen it twice now and I've enjoyed it both times and I I just get sucked into it. I mean, I have a copy on the shelf there. You didn't know. I've got. <laughs> I got I've been it there. ignoring it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sits yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Watch the short films. I'm going to watch it gather dust. <laughs> the, the short films are directed by Ridley's son, I believe, or two of them are. The, the live action ones are, and then there's an anime one as well on there. Yeah, I must. Admit, I did try and watch the anime one, and uh, I I gave up. I was I wasn't <laughs> interested in that. Mm. Um, I mean, but how many directors? Okay, so really, Scott, how old was he made this film? He's 70 now, so he would have been... He wasn't young when... He was in his 40s. He was in his 40s when he made the first That's time. relatively young. So, I mean, there isn't Thank any... You. What actors can you think of now that are doing films like, of his calibre, like then, you know, pushing boundaries? There's not. I mean, it, it is really no, sad. It's like what you're saying. Is. It, is, it is really sad. I mean, can you name anyone? So you've got Dave Jones... Well, Dennis Villeneuve is a good filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. You saw saw Mute. Mute's really... Mute was a... I have to say, Mute had no reason at all to be set in the time it did. And and that was a Blade Runner rip-off. But that was well done. I I actually really enjoyed it. I I thought the story was interesting, but it didn't need to be set in the future. He didn't need to be Amish. That was the thing. It's like, why are you Amish? Now, that's a film that's... I mean, interesting it is. That's a film that's got a lot of problems. Mm. But um, but they connected that to uh, no, moon, but I, yeah, moon, yeah. Moon. I mean, moon moon was an interesting film until the end. Yeah, I think he he, he messed up the ending to that. You had that one issue. <laughs> I still have that same issue. I think he screwed up the ending to Source Code. He, there was a point where it should have stopped, and he just kept going. Well, who are the the great white hopes that we've got in science fiction at the moment? Alex Garland. Would could we put him forward? I have to say, Annihilation was a bit of a different You know, Annihilation mm. was kind of more in that sort of thinking man's vein. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. I think that um, uh, well, Ex Machina, it, it, it felt a lot like um, The Golden Man by Philip K. Dick, only with a, a, a sex reversal on it, uh, you know, switching it to a woman instead of a, a, a man. Um, I... I, I it, I come at, especially with modern science fiction up on screen, I, I come at it very um, very jaded because I've read all this stuff back in the 70s, 80s. We're, we're at a stage now where we can film anything that we want, so now we have to concentrate on story. And we're split just now. Uh, we've got the big blockbusters where you leave your brain at the door, and when they start failing, then, you know, the, the critics come out and say, ha ah, well, that just shows you we need more movies like uh, 13 Years a Slave and, um, or is it 12 Years a Slave? Um, oh Christ, I don't really care. Um, and things like Moonlight and Call Me By Your Name and saying we need more movies like this. Mad and it's Bound. like, ah, ah. Yeah. no, I don't need shit like that. You know, give me a good thriller movie. Well, so I'm, I'm looking at a list now of all the, you know, supposed now directors, and um, they're all very much, you know, middle aged white men. Or as in the well, case a bit of more, mi, mi, older than middle aged. Okay, older white men, except um, one of the Chukowskis because they're both Wiskowskis. They're both ladies now. Yeah, Gen- but it's that, that, change. Yeah. yeah, it's just like there's there isn't any new film directors, and again that will come back to the Hollywood. Yeah. Issue of, you know. Well, this it, it just comes down to well, risk. 
uh, I mean, there are there are some, aren't there? I mean, uh, AJ Bauer, um, he was one of uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's um, discoveries, right? And he's done, he's doing obviously the new uh, Jurassic World um, film. He's he's. I don't think he's that old. I, I'm not sure. And he, he's obviously he's he's um, is he Mexican? I want to say Mexican. Uh, um, I, I think so. I it's, it's, the, it's the wrong. same guy who did the orphanage, isn't it? That's right. Yes, the yes. orphanage, and also the 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 impossible and um, films like that. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I want to, I want to, I, I kind of want to bring it back round to, to to Blade Runner because we're like no. we we we're, we're really going like there's really far tangent, but I, I want to say this. So, you know, Danny Villeneuve made an amazing film of Arrival. I think we all can agree Arrival was a great film. Yeah. So, what do you think of Blade Runner 2049 as a Denny Villeneuve film? Uh, It's a step down. It's like, um, what's his name? Uh, Del Toro. You know, he he would do a, a great movie back home in Mexico and then he would come to... He would come to Hollywood and do his Hollywood movie, which just wasn't as satisfying. They go back home to do that. And uh, what's what's his name? Uh, Jackson. Jackson was, um, you know, he he came over and he did the Frighteners, which was good, but it wasn't quite a Jackson film. And then you know he'd go back home and he'd do uh, what was it, Beautiful Creatures next? Which no, was it's just the other way around. <laughs> we, we, we did we did an episode on Peter Jackson. Um, Heavenly episode, Creatures yeah. came yeah. before Frighteners. Yeah, it was because of it was because of Frighteners that he went on to make Lord of the Rings because he created a CGI yeah. company. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, I mean, look looking at Villeneuve, who's who's fifty one, by the way. Um, he did what really? Prisoners, en- Enemy, uh, Sicaro, um, Arrival, and then yeah, Blade Runner. Uh, 2049 so um i mean yeah there was filmmaker it was in you know the later 2049 was in very safe hands but maybe too safe you know maybe it really needed for it to be a classic in the same um take chances and it didn't i mean arrival has a lot of a lot of thought-provoking things and it does have a build-up and there is a lot of heart to it the same director that did that did blade runner it is hard to believe because like, mm. you actually, you know, it made me cry because there was that build-up to it when you find out at the end about her, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. But this one, it's like, there wasn't... There, uh, yeah, felt there was too much of a build-up. It wasn't too indulgent in its build-up. It's the point you didn't yeah. care. And then when you found out, you're like, yeah. okay, well, that was the thing. So, again, it was that indulgence thing. I mean, also, talking about the other aspect, if there was a voiceover, if they chopped and changed it, made it shorter... Do you think that would have made it a bit more? But, I mean, fair enough, you guys love it anyway. You love it if it was four hours long, like more <laughs> elements of it. But if it was cut shorter and you saw less of this and no. less of that, no. it might have no. salvaged it. No, no, no. Really? No, uh, it, would, it would still be as empty. No, you you would have had the love conquers, conquers all cut. Really? Would you mm. remember we were talking about Brazil yeah. and how the you know universal did their their own cut mm-hmm. of it making it a 90 minute film from like two hours and a half and it just it but lost the heart and soul of it there are so many elements in that film that aren't necessary again it's in well, name name one i blocked it out because it was so droll 
then how do you know that these elements would because there's too many to name because what did they, they were, some of them didn't serve a purpose it was someone's wet dream to do a scene like this that one scene in it that's the thing because oh, it, okay. it was a visual factor of it. I'm not going back to a large naked woman. No, 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 no. I think I know the scene you're talking about. Yeah. We we've not mentioned this. I think we should talk about. Um, what did you guys think of the lovemaking scene? Oh yeah. It's a very clever, <laughs> but uh, it kind of yeah. sticks out like a sore thumb. It, I wasn't crazy. It was a bit uncomfortable, it. wasn't it? It, it was kind of. <laughs> when I think of the things that I watch. Um, no, that, I'm not in the least bit uncomfortable by it. You know, um, you know, I, I'm uncomfortable that somebody will actually get a hold of my hard drive one day. Um, there's nothing <laughs> creepy about what I saw. Um, I, I thought it was it was very clever, but it was very much um, it was like watching a pop video in the middle of a movie. Was it like a um, ha? It was like a what? Like a ha? You know, yeah. take on me. It, it was like we just we suddenly stopped we stopped the music uh, the the uh, a serious movie to do a musical interlude, um, and the only thing that was missing from it was a pop song over the top of it. Chris, I'm a more crass director would have put you know a, a fucking Katy Perry song over the top of it or a Grimes thing, um, written specifically for it. Mm. Um, it's it, it, it works on its own. It doesn't work within the movie, um, and also you know it. it you were never convinced right up until that point that she was real. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean that should have been where it cemented that she was actually sentient. And then, but you, she wasn't. Quit- that's the thing. She's not sentient. She was just yes, another tool, or just yeah. another manipulation of him. Hmm. But the thing was, I had to actually read that into it because it wasn't put well across well enough in the movie. It just wasn't. It, it didn't. You know, that that bit where he actually can fronts the 60 foot version of her it should have been utterly crushing and it wasn't good enough it just good enough because um uh, love had already crushed the yeah. um you know the uh the mobile emitter wasn't it the, the well, mobile emitter um yeah. and and just as maybe that's i don't know where you would have put the point the punctuation mark well, to actually shatter all his dreams but it just yeah. it, can you imagine if this was done by Verhoeven? Um, <laughs> there would be a lot more naked subtlety. women in it. Mm. And then again, there would probably be naked movie. men as well. <laughs> and lots of naked men, yeah. Um, but it, it would have been... I mean, he's, he's a man that can take a sledge or sledgehammer of a, you know, a, a political statement um, and still make you think... At the end of it, I mean, there's no subtlety to the guy, but he does make you think. Whereas this was trying to be subtle and got nowhere. Yeah, I, I actually think that a lot of this, for 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 a lot of audience, I think it went over people's heads. Um, yeah. You know, because oh, because yeah. this is the thing. You know, some some could say that that scene was heavy-handed, but um, it wasn't heavy-handed. I, it was just she no, was large I and naked. Th- well, she could have I, had a little bit of a bikini on. I didn't need to see her, you know, all of it. So thanks. It just it and it felt very like, yeah. yeah. Well, I have to say that there was nothing explicit about that scene, and believe me, I've went over it more than a few times. Um, oh really? And you know, it, it's <laughs> let's just say it's it's on a partition in my hard drive that um, bears scrutiny. Um, and yeah, you're supposed to feel 
uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, it, it didn't go into it deep enough. I mean, she called a hooker, a piece of software in your house, basically Siri called up a hooker to come to your house, and he didn't know about it. That That's creepy. Mm. Mm. I actually thought it... it well, maybe, maybe, maybe this is just me, and I'm a bit sensitive or something. <laughs> I, I actually found it quite sad, and when I say sad, I mean in a, you know, you know, in a, um, how can I say it? I, I just thought that the whole situation was actually quite, quite a sad situation. Yeah, because you, um, you know, she's not real, and there's, there's nothing yeah. that's ever. Yeah. But the other thing was that was meant to be the love story of the film. Like the one you're investing yeah. in, but you weren't because you kind of you're detached from it because well, it's not just yeah, because yeah. she's serious. It's I, it's just because you think she's she's the, she's um she's a piece she's a please bot, isn't she? She's like so you got the robot that are. But I think that's the point. I don't think it was supposed to be a love story. I mean, he may have been in love with her, but I don't think it was a love story. Think, I think I think you have picked up on the fact that you know at the end of the day. You know, he he's in love with his sex toy. Yeah, we think, but but she doesn't she doesn't feel the same way. She may say I love you, mm. but it's it's just her software. Software. Well, you have to think about this. So you have the replicants that have the you know they're the sex bots for the humans. The Siri version is the sex bot for the replicant. I, I don't for anyone. For anyone. It, it, how do the robots do it then? Because what what what. Well, it was only Rachel who had the ability to reproduce. Yeah, but the stripping aspect of it. Can they... I mean, that's the other thing. Okay, it's it's a pervy factor. That's not explained. Why does he want to have sex? Is it just because they want to have sex so they feel human? There's so many things... Like, you could, they could have divulged it even simply in something, but it just it was just left ambiguous, and it was the ambiguity of so many aspects of it that I just... Well, I mean, I mean, I think it, I think it is totally the perv factor, because, because obviously they, they picked... Um, you, you know, you know, a, a, a very attractive actress um, for for that role, and you, you, you know, she. You, it's like I was saying at the beginning. It, it, it's that whole thing about technology. You, you know, is used for a lot of base instinct stuff sometimes, and the, like you said, it's it's kind of the the the, the stripper porn hologram kind of thing, but it can also be. You know, it can also do you virtual meals and play the music that you want to hear and all of this sort of thing. But I mean, it's all just a shallow, um, you know, program. Uh, You know, I I, I don't think I don't think it pretends to be anything other than that, though. I don't think that uh, even even though we're supposed to buy that um, K uh falls in love with this um this virtual reality uh i don't think that that the audience expects uh, sorry the, the the filmmakers expected us as the audience to necessarily buy into that or, or you know or see it for anything other than what it was can, can i got- i just can no, can i just say something because you were asking about how the replicants strip and this replicants even though they're considered to be androids they're not they're actually more like clones they're mm. biological then there's nothing yeah. metal or robotic in them at all mm. they are human beings yeah. at the end of the day they're just manufactured they're not born hence why they say they yeah, don't they have grow. a soul yeah. but <laughs> everything else works the same way they just don't have the necessary parts or Unless given to them to replicate. Well, that leads me to this question: like, why is it okay? 
fair enough they're aware they're number replicants. six please yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> fair enough they, they're aware they're replicants and they are they're they're replications of other beings but um the whole thing that they're given to live like humans if they're lesser beings like they look down upon why do they have apartments why do they have jobs are they giving wages it's just like that's something i kind of like would kind of want to just marginally addressed or just given thought to because it just felt like we're going to make him a replicant and he's got a flat and then he's got a little siri bot that sort of thing it's this sort of thing because uh, well was... the thing is you're only going on on one replicant i mean k is you know but he, he's working for the the police Again, he is they, they, the they idea of him being a blade runner is that their own are hunting their own yeah uh apart from that the other replicants you see in the film but again, a two uh, over two hour film, and you don't know jack shit about the rest of the universe. The other the other replicants, what's going on? Don't but, you think that's but bad? Did you know, bad but filming? did you know what was happening with the other replicants in Blade Runner? A I mean, the lot, one a hell of well, off world. Yeah. All you even, knew were they even, were in off world colonies. But that was yeah. But they they were used for labor, and I mean, I mean, in the in the first film, they're very explicit about the fact that the replicants are either used for hard labor. Uh, or in dangerous situations or for pleasure you know for, for for sex or whatever and that's made in in the original blade runner that is actually made very clear i i think i think you're right that in this film it, it it's much more ambiguous um you you know in terms of especially the k k is the problem character in a lot of respects because Yes, it does throw up many questions. And like you said, for a while they were going down this, and I'm glad they didn't go there, but they were going down this, oh, is this the son of, um, you, you know, uh, scenario. And I was so glad that they didn't go there because I, I would have definitely disowned the film if it had been that. And, um, you, you, you know, they, they, they didn't go there with that. But you're right, they don't explain really uh, in any depth in this film about the the other replicants uh, i like the fact i'm kind of turning you like ha 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 because like you kind of are saying that you don't you didn't enjoy it as much as you want and what you're saying oh no i don't know (laughs) (laughs) well no it's it's easy to nitpick uh, at a film i I mean it's you can anything yeah i enjoyed it when i watched it well enough I, i i i said at the beginning and i and i still stand by this is it's not for me, it's not as special as the original film. Um, not not by a not by a long shot, but uh, but it's an enjoyable enough sequel. There's not going to yeah. be film students today going to watch this and go, "Oh my god, I love this film. I want to be in this industry making." No one's going to watch this film and feel like this is what I want to do. They're probably going to watch this film thinking, "This is not what I want to do." Or if I do do it, I'll do it better. That's, That's the only way pause of in- a pause of influence it's going to give. You asked earlier, would I, would I watch this again in 10 years' time? And, and, and I don't really watch TV the same way that I used to. Um, I don't even have Sky anymore. I download the stuff that I want to watch. But if, if we're talking about um, actual t- casual TV watching, if Blade Runner was on, I would put aside time to watch it, whereas I would have to actually walk into Blade Runner 2049 while it was on and go, oh, I kind of like this. I'll maybe sit down and I might only watch part of it and then walk away from it. But like I say, I would put aside time for the original Blade Runner. I might even, you know, have an evening say, well, I haven't watched that in a while. I'll put that on again. But I might not have the same attraction to the new one. 
because it just it doesn't have the same depth. I did mean, just something that struck me there. There is an undercurrent in the original, and it's to do with the uh, you know the fake animals. People are buying fake animals because they can't get the originals anymore. Mm-hmm. But then you realise that they're also replacing humans. Everybody's kind of broken, and you know there's no relationships with anybody. So if you want something that's better, then you have to have a replicant. And that's really, really sad. That's the, the sad backbone of the movie. You know, Deckard is living on his own. There is nobody. Else. He doesn't have relationships. So he, the, the, the place where he works, he has one friend. He's certainly not friends with his, uh, his chief. And um, the guy who gets shot by Leon is his only pal. And he's kind of out of it. That, that was cut from the movie. Um, so he's an incredibly lonely guy, and he ends up with a replicant. Um, and you don't have that in this. And it could have been so much more. I mean, that one point where um, Love stamps on the hollow emitter and says, I hope you enjoy our product. I mean, let's say the big karate uh, job that we had at the end in the, in the water. What if we'd actually been in an apartment building stalking each other again and she was actually taunting him by saying, what did you think of our product? You know, we made her say that to you. And, um, you know, we... Uh, we got her to. We, we actually programmed her in the original software to get a hooker for you one night. We we play out this scenario with everybody who has joy. Um, that would have been so much nastier, and there isn't any nastiness to it. There isn't any sadness. There's no. <sighs> okay, yeah, the original was happy accidents, but by God, it worked. Yeah, well, it's like they they made Gerald Letter's character be trying to be the big bad. By just and doing weird, creepy things that just made it feel like yeah. it was Gerald Leto yeah. trying to be method. I'm bad. They had 35, 35 years to write a sequel to this movie and make it good. And instead, they sort of went the safe route down the middle. Well, of that's the- it. I, I, think, I think you hit the nail. Because, because you, you know, all these things you said about, like, you know, happy accident with the first mm. one. I'm not, I'm not... I know there were some production accidents in it that work kind of worked but i still don't think the film was a happy accident i think it was a really well crafted film and yeah, this it one crafts people behind it yeah, yeah. but with with, but with 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 this one um i don't think it's necessarily that it's 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 uh like i've said before it's a it's a bad sequel and i think you know that, that there's a lot of nastiness in this film and a lot of things that are sad in this film, for sure. But I, I think you just hit the nail on the head by saying that it's that it's somewhat safe. And I think that is is part of the problem. Is um, you know it does it does very much deal with a lot of the same stuff um, as as the original did. It's just it it doesn't do it in quite such a uh, well. It's a different time. You know, it's a different time. Well, I think so. it, it wasn't just safe; it was lazy. Because you can say yeah. that because it just—I'm going to keep saying I would it again. Never, I don't. I wouldn't it was, say it was lazy. I don't think it's lazy. It was indulgent. That was the thing. It was Maybe way too indulgent. Indulgent's different to lazy. I would. I would agree more with indulgent than I would lazy. Um, I, I. I. You know. I. My lazy idea was that it's well, my lazy thinking. Sorry, was that it? It lacked originality. It lacked any. Oh yeah. It, well, that's, that's the safe. Yeah, but spot. they came up with an idea. They came up with ideas, but they didn't want to explain it. They just okay. We come up with this idea. This is this, but they don't want to explain it. And it's not well, even the, because the of, it's not even the because they've got the extra stories you have to watch beyond it. 
It's just that I don't think they actually thought it all the way through. It's, it's funny. It's, that we have is yeah. it could have been a lot easier. Oh, I, 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 it's funny I mean you're you're saying that but I mean the, the truth the, the same could be said for like 2001 they don't explain anything in that film I mean you see <laughs> the dawn of man so you true. see but you see a guy travel up to a space station I mean if you break it down it's, you know plot wise not much happens in it yeah but look, and, how, look how long ago it was made and we're talking about it and look how influential it was yes because it's a great film it's it's a film that you you sit and but you, you, you get worked, sucked into but you wouldn't have worked on the set of it with um, Kubrick because he would have drove you balmy you'd be like that's, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's different I, I mean that's, Kubrick's that's a one so of a kind and I think if, yeah. if, if you love film mm. then there is no better set but yeah. I never got that chance I missed that chance I you know the, the only film set of his I could have worked on and I never got the chance to was Eyes Wide Shut. Hmm. But, I yeah. mean, that the thing is, though, Again, that kind of you. that kind of filmmaking is is going out the door. I mean, no matter how I feel about it, hmm. but at the end of the day... Um, we, we don't know... OK, so... We're we're, if, if, nothing, if nothing's explained, it doesn't make it lazy, uh, you no. know... There, no, there's many like, there's many stories where you know it's open to interpretation and that like, is one of the things about I, this story really, yeah what's really interesting actually is my my friend who um uh called blade runner 2049 the best film of 2017 and and you know i really respect his opinion there um interestingly his favorite films are in fact you know like 2001 and Solaris and Stalker and, you know, those sort of films. And I, and I do think that that is a particular sort of subgenre of sci-fi. It's a particular type of sci-fi film that, um, you, you know, I, I just think it's interesting that they're all very similar in so much as they, they do play with, more ambiguous uh, sci-fi messages and they do play with um, more of a philosophical um, sort of theme and undertone than than say a space fantasy you know those films Sorry, I mean, so, so the ones you've named there was like a there's a raw beauty to those films I mean like again it again mm. like I said, it, it's ambig it's ambiguous but you can tell it's been thought out it's it, they've made it so that you you feel st- astonished by it and it's astounding and it's different. Blade Runner, it didn't feel like that. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's a film of now where everything's quite large and in your in your face. But this one, it's just they they just want to awe you, and because you're awed, they're just gonna let it sit there. But you're not awed for the right reasons that you're awed for like two thousand and one or Solaris. <laughs> Well, people are either awed or bored. Is yeah. What, what, well, what that's I've the thing, because those, those kind of films, people have thrown the... It's yeah. boring. I we mean, know. I've, I've yeah. seen Stalker, and Stalker, you have to be in the right frame of mind, because yeah. it's... Because, it, yeah. you know, not for a three-hour film, it, you know, not a lot happens, and you don't even know that this area that they've gone to anything actually is happening yeah <laughs> but you're invested though aren't you uh, you're intrigued you yeah, i'm intrigued yes. you're not really intrigued i could have walked out of that cinema halfway through and still not given the monkeys i don't know i i i, <laughs> I enjoy it i i i i both times i've seen it i was kind of drawn into that world and i you know i, I enjoyed every, every minute of it even though yes 
uh, the the bad guy is terrible. Yeah. And there's you know you can pick it apart, but I think what we got was probably the best we could have got. I think they, in this day and yeah, age, I think wait, through the Hollywood system, they could have waited and made a better version. I think if they had waited any longer, they would have made a remake. And no, we would got we would have got an inferior yeah. version would, of Blade Runner. I would have liked to have seen the war that would instead they suggested going to ensue, because the, there wasn't a there was supposed to be something of a war or a, you know where all, all the but information is was lost. war a Blade Runner thing? I mean, Blade Runner has always been, you know, they, war, it's called a future noir. I mean, yeah. suddenly there's you know fighting like, in the streets and stuff. I mean, I like, I like the idea that the whole replicants are against the humans for their own survival and the whole thing like who is who what's what who's your enemy who's this that would have been amazing but this one it just felt like yeah i mean i kind of think they tr- they were trying to make the replicants seem like you know the the like the people of different cultures like the, the mexicans the blacks the the ones that are pushed down the minorities but they didn't really hit the nail with that they just made it feel like you know well i i I think what they were dealing with as well is because, you know, Battlestar Galactica, you know, the the new series, the yeah, yeah mm-hmm. covered all that really well. It's I mean, good. they yeah. no no, but they did. They really covered that really well. But the and the thing yeah. is, so they don't they they were trying to avoid that. That that's that's the other thing you got to remember is that. Blade Runner has given birth to so many other films and TV mm. and they and there's they've gone down these similar lines that it, it's very difficult to come up with something that was different to all the rest. But you have to think Hollywood makes films for everyone in America. They make it for the guy on a farm in Iowa. No, they don't. They make stuff for China now. Okay, yeah. For, <laughs> like the guy in a paddy field in China. They're making it for everyone. So not everyone's seen Battlestar Galactica. I mean, I haven't seen all of it. Yeah, but you're... As, I'm aware of it because you keep talking. Oh, you I, should. You should. It's very good. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all right. I'm okay. But I mean... Oh, you the, so should. But at the end of the day, we're as filmmakers, we're very aware of this stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. we don't want to try and go down that same path and that was the that was the fact is as well is that Battlestar Galactica had what four series five series to go through that kind of stuff are you talking about the original or the remake remake, remake. now we're talking about remake. the remake I know the original the original in the remake Cylons have become human and the yeah. the colonists don't know who are Cylons and who are not yeah but that's still a, a unique concept to have in the Blade Runner universe because you're carrying on the whole thing with Deckard you know, I mean, you you don't actually know what could happen. Is they could do that lovely, they could do a whole Spider-Man thing on your ass and just make another one of it and say, forget this one, we're recanonizing it because they will do that in Hollywood. They will. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably, but the problem is probably, they won't now because you know. You could probably both, find on both YouTube. both Blade Runner films when they initially came out were both box but, office failures. But this film will not become a cult classic. It will not sit there in the test of time. We don't know that. I know that for sure. I. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I... I will I, ask you in 20 years' time. <laughs> I got time, man. <laughs> I think we'll still be doing the podcast 20 years' time. Yes. <laughs> we'll still be arguing about it. That Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. It was And we're both old, failed filmmakers <laughs> that like to discuss <laughs> movies and 
holograms because that's what it would be right vr you'd be like the old gits from harry enfield (laughs) oh you thanks (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, dear right guys it'll be here before we know it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i i we're sort of uh we're getting close to the actual running time of blade runner 2049 so um i think i think yeah (laughs) So I think this is a good spot to sort of come up with our final thoughts. So um, let the guests go first. So uh, Antonia, what's your final thoughts on Blade Runner 2049? Have you ever had root canal surgery? It's it's thoroughly more enjoyable than watching that. Because at least you get something done in your mouth that you think that's cleansed. You will take nothing from this film. You will say it's visually stunning, but no, you will not get anything from this film. So... Save yourself. <laughs> Jason? It's a fast food meal that's not very fast. Even it though really, it's slow. You know, it, it's, inc- it, it, it's long. It's not very satisfying. Um, it's not bad, but it's not good either. Um, you know, it, it, if you're looking for action, you ain't got it. If you want jeopardy, you ain't got it. If you want mystery, you ain't got it. It's... Um, it's like an Adrian Lynn movie. It's it's a, a thriller that's not a thriller. It's it's a, a moral ambiguity movie that has no moral ambiguity. It's um, it's not a complete loss. I mean, I, I, I do think it's it's um, it's a solid piece of sci-fi, but it's it it it's not going to give you what the original Blade Runner did. Um, and the original Blade Runner had no right given you what it did anyway because it jettisoned all the original ideas that Philip K. Dick, Philip K. Dick had, left itself in complete limbo um, and still managed somehow to come out with um, something that is, has, has lasted the test of time um, and will we'll go on being a, a, a subject of, of film study. And I, this isn't. So, yeah, 10, 20 years from now, if we're still doing movie heaven, movie hell, we're not going to be coming back to this other than they say, ah, Antonio was right back then. Let's go into the next movie. <laughs> I want them to be talking about us in twi- our films yeah, in absolutely. 20 years' time, it's not, not fucking... the, the themes in our movies, you know. Um, I'm already 20 years behind. <laughs> go for it. But um, as a storyboard artist, did you think, like, you know, what they did visually was really amazing really impressive or just a bit mediocre nothing impresses me on screen now you can do anything you can do anything you want up on the screen now and i think the apex of that or the nadir if you want to look at it was the matrix movies they threw so much shit at the screen that your eyes were actually sliding off it you 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 have to pull back. You have to say, right, we can do whatever we want on that screen. That doesn't mean we have to. The the Michael Bay movies are like that. But the um, I, I mean, I, I can't watch the trailers for the Transformers movies. They're so bad. Um, because it really is just a case of overload. It's like, fuck them. Um, we don't have a good story. Let's put as much information on the screen that they want and, and call that depth. And it isn't. Blade Runner 2049 is a lot of very... There's a lot of posters, a lot of um, screen grabs that could go up on your wall. Um, you can't really say the same for the original Blade Runner. Um, you are watching it as a story. You're drawn into it. You're drawn into the characters. 
all their failings, all their flaws and, and all of that. And it, you're not drawn into this. Um, I, I th it's very pretty to look at. It's a middling story. Um, like I said, it's not bad and it's not good, but um, it didn't insult me. It didn't insult, insult the original, but it, at the same time, it never challenged it. Um, and I think we need challenge in sci-fi just now. We almost got it with Interstellar. It didn't quite make it, um, but a brave try. Um, this was a, an even less braver try. Um, and I think, you know, <sighs> yeah, I'd probably buy, buy it on Blu-ray if it was discounted or something like that, but I'm not rushing out to get it. Um, I, I don't want to slag it into the ground, but with very little effort, I could. Do it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could be utterly vicious with it, but I'm not in a vicious mood right now. Um, but yeah, I'm, give, give me a couple of uh, peach snaps and I'll just go, yeah, that bastard Milner, what did he think he was doing? Um, I need to go away and watch it a third time, I think, before it'll really cement it with me. Um, you want to get it turned back? Uh, it, 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 put it this way, it wasn't Alien Covenant. Um, I, I, you know, I could have thrown my shoes at the, t uh, the, the screen uh, at the end of that one. Um, it's a... Uh, no, it's... It, Blade Runner 2049 is... Mm, it's better than Prometheus. Um, no, that, that really isn't saying much, but Prometheus is an entertainingly dumb sci-fi. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say better than Last Jedi. <laughs> no, just, <laughs> just the front. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, I like that film. Keith, <laughs> uh, um, your friend that said that it was the best movie of last year, let's yeah. face it, last year was a pretty dry year for movies. Not just genre movies but movies in general um even you know the the usual uh, the usual festivals that we go to like fright fest there was nothing really jumping out at me in those either there was nothing in general that was jumping out at me last year really wasn't um and it's getting increasingly difficult for me year to year to do a top 10 because i just can't remember the stuff that i've watched that's because you watch so much probably um, well, yeah, um, I'd like to watch more than I do. I've been more impressed with what I'm watching on TV um, and, and and series and things like that. Um, I, I think Westworld season one trumped everything. Um, yes. And, and the other day it was out. Um, and it still continues to go on strong. And um, it's, it's taken a lot. It owes much to Blade Runner, obviously. Mm. Yeah, even, uh, even though, of course, the original Westworld was written and out long before Blade Runner, but uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> but, you know, let's face it, if Blade Runner 2049 was sort of at the top of the heap of movies last year, that's, that's not saying a lot for what was actually put out then. Um, God, it, it, we're, we're basically celebrating a fast food meal. Um when we'd really want to have fine cuisine down in like the original 82 movie. Um, that's sad. Given the, 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 the technologies that we have, the movies that we can make and we're not doing them. So Keith, what's your thoughts on the film? Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, I needed the car crash. The sound no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've, I've 
I've said a lot about what I think about it. I mean, at the end of the day, Simon, I think I'm I'm sort of more in uh, in your camp on this one, even though I I totally respect um, what everybody's what everybody's viewpoints are. But I mean, I I enjoyed the film. Um, I think it's uh, I you know I believe it's in the same world. I think it works as a sequel. However, it, you know it doesn't it doesn't have the appeal to me of the original and i don't know whether that's just a nostalgia thing um i do question that a lot nowadays because you know i was so influenced by films um when i when i was very young that uh you you know those films stay with me and i think is, is, is it because of that that i think you know the original is better um or is it just that it is actually better <laughs> um and, 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 you know, it is a good question. I think the, the, the question that Antonia raised about whether or not this film will be lauded by film students of today and whether it will be a classic that's talked about in 20 years. I, I think that is a really good question because I, I, actually, I actually don't know. And I think uh, it will be definitely remembered for you know its design elements, etc. But whether or not it will be remembered on the merits of the actual film and the themes of the film itself um i don't know but but you know for for my money i i enjoyed it enough is it something i'm going to keep sitting down and watching uh probably not um but then you know when i was younger i used to say that about the original too and uh, i've actually i've actually watched the original on the big screen twice in the last month so uh yeah um you know it, it, it is what it is but uh, i think everybody's points are valid and um yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm a bit fence city i'm afraid but i i enjoyed it i mean i enjoy the film i'm gonna go back and re-watch it not with me <laughs> 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 i don't know i might strap you to the chair and make you watch it um can I, watch? I I don't know. I I I'm, I'm thinking about this question. We keep asking, will it be a classic? You know, twenty years from mm. now, or whatever. You know, uh, I don't think it's going to get a chance to be a classic. To tell the truth, and the the point is that with Blade Runner, every when it first came out, people said it was a failure. It was a terrible film, and then over time, appreciation for it raised. Mm. And because and how many times have we've all watched the original Blade Runner? I mean, we've, what, 10, oh. 20, 30, 40 times? Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. yeah. We've only watched this film twice at most. Twice. We've not given it its fair chance, to tell the truth. I mean, not all of Blade Runner's secrets were opened up to us the first couple of times we watched it. It took multiple viewings. I get the feeling with this film, yes, it has problems. The original had problems. People said it was style over substance back then. I think it it, it needs more viewing to you know mm-hmm. before it's you just say oh well it's it, it's a sequel nice try you know unfortunately you didn't quite make it. I think f- from from my viewings of it, I think that they've gone they've tried to do something they try to do something a bit different to the original. They could have quite easily just remade it. They could have just <laughs> had, you know, K B Deckard. You would have got Ryan Gosling as Deckard, or son of Deckard. 
Oh, and they and they and, and, and they, <laughs> one male foot. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, they didn't go down that route. They didn't. I mean, you could say they took the safe route, did they? They tried to do something different. They tried to, you know, be expectations, and they did. I mean, I remember my reaction to finding out that he wasn't son of Deckard. I was kind of relieved he wasn't son of Deckard. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. Because that is the that is the lazy the way. That, that's the safe way. I bet that was probably yeah. the original script, though. I, I don't know. <laughs> We've we've had this twice with Harrison Ford films before this, so I was so glad they didn't go for a third time. You know, I'm like, oh, thank God. But uh, for for me, it's a film I'm going to go back to because I like being in that world. I like the Blade Runner world. I Every think... time you watch it, I'm going to say, and now, what do you think? <laughs> you can go in the other room and watch Last Jedi while he's watching Black because they're the same length, aren't they? Yeah, but the thing is, there's there's a really lovely little heart to the Last Jedi. There is not with Blade Runner this one. It just feels mm. feels like it was all shoehorned in. Well, I think we have to agree. Put it to way, disagree. I do, I do agree. I do agree with the. Uh, with... You want it, you want to agree with me, but you just don't. No, want to no, no, I, I'm you not want to say agree I do with agree me. with your your statement though. Was this film necessary? And uh, I would agree that it probably wasn't. Um, you, you know, it was a. Uh, I think the universe uh, itself was necessary because you want to know more, but they didn't need to do it with you know, like Harrison's Ford character were just shoved in. I mean, they, they, there's so many things they could have done better. I admit that they could have salvaged it in some way, but they didn't. They just they went down. Well, the I think bit. that was a problem of advertising because at the end of the day, if he wasn't on the poster, would we have expected to see him? His reveal would have been a lot more impactful than it was. I mean, from the poster, you knew Harrison Ford was in the film, so you were just waiting for Harrison Ford to we turn up. We had to wait a long time, didn't we? <laughs> So think of it. It's it's this like the Terminator Genesis poster where they show that John Connor's the bad guy. Sorry, spoilers. But um, no one wants to watch that film. Yeah, but I mean, no, but that's the it, thing. They the, the, the advertising spoilt the film. Mm. It spoilt yeah. the surprise. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. I will with that. say, even, even though he was in what the last twenty minutes of the movie or something like that, I do think it was Harrison Ford's movie that he got the last scene and just. And there was certainly more investment in his acting than there was in um, The Force Awakens. You, you know, he actually did look as if he had to put a little bit behind it. And that very last scene where he meets his daughter, sorry, spoilers, everyone, but um, th- that, that sold it for me. That would, that, suddenly there was a heart at the end of the movie. Yeah, you cared about him more my, than Ryan Gosling's character. Mm. But it, it, to get through a whole movie just to get a smile out of... Um, Harrison Ford to give it a bit of heart. Um, it was a long slog, um, not an unpleasant slog. I mean, I, it's just I really wasn't looking forward to, to reviewing this movie because I, I can neither slag it off, and nor can I highly praise it. It's um, well, look at this. This film has caused us to have this debate, so that's got to say something, right? Yeah, because. There's many, many movies that I wouldn't, uh, you know, sit down and talk about for this length of time. We're all, we're all, we're all in the same place that we were 
three hours ago when we started <laughs> this debate. So, so really all we've done is go around in one big circle. Yeah, but I think yeah. I've enforced my opinion. I think I've made you guys realise it's not as great and as good as you think. Well, it's not as good. It's not as great and good as it was sold to us. Yeah, well, it was never, it was never going to be. God, no. No way. I mean, it's like, you could you watch... The, if you were, like, you know, young and innocent, 18, 21, and you watched the first Blade Runner, then this one, I mean, I mean if you said you feel like it's in the same universe, you're not as invested as you were in the first one. There's not this sort of, like, beautifulness uh, uh, uh. to it. You're gonna hate what I'm about to say. So, I, but if I was 18 or 20 years old, I know I know I'd be looking at the hologram. I'm zooming in. <laughs> I'm just being honest, okay, everyone. <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, I want me one of those hologram chicks. <laughs> I just like the thing that people would think, well, Harrison Ford, he aged badly. Because <laughs> it is that thing people yeah. don't don't realise, you know, if you watch that the first Blade Runner and the new Blade Runner, well the sequel, sorry, you'd forget that, you know, the rest of us had to wait that whole heap lot of time to watch the new one, which wasn't yeah. worth the wait. But it's just like it, I could imagine they'd be like, Wow, he got old. Yeah, that's probably that would probably be the comment. Yeah, it was like, God, that film was slow. Oh my god, he's old and this is also slow. Going <laughs> yeah. by my own memories at the time, and this was the days of EHS, I was I couldn't wait to see it. I couldn't wait to see the original uh, Blade Runner. Um it really was it was, I'd read about it as it was being made, even you know, but, but like I say, I was a huge fan of Philip K. Dick's work. Um and here was the first movie that was coming on with it. I mean, as a side note here, did anybody watch Electric Dreams? No, no. So I saw it. one episode at BAFTA. They had a, a, a preview Q and A, right. and it was the one with the one I saw was the one that had Timothy Spall in it, and it was set in. He was like a train conductor or a train uh, um, worked on British Rail or whatever, and uh, it was. It, I have to say, it was terminally dull. It made me not want to watch any of the other episodes. But then I know they're all supposed to be different because it's an anthology. So yeah. the series yeah. could have been really good, but I wasn't. I wasn't drawn in by that particular episode. I have to Someone say. said to me they were trying to recapture the whole Black Mirror kind of aspect of yeah. storylines. But mm -hmm. I mean, I know someone um, that worked on it, and they. Well, I love they, Black Mirror. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they they weren't even that impressed about working on it. But I, I mean, we want to watch it, but we just haven't had the chance because it's not become online, not come online or. Yeah, it's supposed to but, come out on Amazon Prime, but it hasn't yeah. turned up yet. Is it any good? No, is it any it. good? Well, Jason, you saw it, didn't you, or not? What the the, the Electric Dream series? Yeah. No. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, was, I thought you meant you'd I, seen I, it. Sorry. I, mean, I was. I I wanted. You know, normally I would jump on it, and and uh, because it is Philip K. Dick. I mean, one of the first animations I ever did was based on one of his short stories and his short stories were what I loved the most. But I have to admit they were hit and miss. There are compilations of them where they just he, he has a great idea but he just doesn't know where to go with it. Um and I think filmmakers don't either. I mean Total Recall has got very little to do with the short story that it was based on. Yeah um, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The That's original. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, again, forget yeah. the remake, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You just like the free uh, boob aspect. Well, they put that in the remake, <laughs> which made no fucking sense at all. 
I love it. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Jesus, it makes you realize, uh, you know, I always find bizarre with films is is when there's a film you love when you're growing up and then you actually do catch up with the time that it was supposed to, you know, it's a film oh. dealing with the future. <laughs> you know, we had, we, had, we had it with Back to the Future where, you know, like like, like, you said, like they said, they got about half the things correct and half the things wrong and kind of the same with Blade Runner, really. And it's, it's, it's interesting that both of them predicted we'd have flying cars by now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Can I just say, can, Simon can edit this out. You can edit out, Simon. But, um... Simon mentioned this to me, and I think I went back and watched it. And um, but do you know the scene with Deckard and Rachel? I should have mentioned yeah. this before. You know the lovemaking scene. You said it was like quite rapey, and it wasn't until I went back and watched it and thought it is a bit brutal. And it is funny now that that something like that wouldn't wash nowadays. Oh, really. no. oh totally. Yeah, but yeah, it, it kind of it's time. Yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of strange that you know, in my mind, watching it when I was younger, it it was just accepted. Yeah. I don't think well, you should it, cut it, this it out. Also, this is a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't just it wasn't just the thing of its time. It was also going back to the um, the old nineteen forties noir thrillers, exactly. where the, the dame just fell for the guy. But in this, he really he forced it because he knew he could because she was artificial. And um, but it, it you know it, it it falls back on him because suddenly he rem- he realizes by the end of it that he is in love with her. And he said to her, tell me you love me. And, and she says it, but she means it. Um, and that's incredibly yeah. affecting. And we don't have anything of that same satisfaction in the new one. In fact, all we get is disappointment. The only, the only satisfaction you get is that he gets to meet his daughter. And, yeah. um, and that's right in the last few seconds. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the other thing with the original, again, is, is, is uh, you, you know, we were obviously used to seeing, you know, Harrison Ford is, is, is the hero character. Um, and in this one, I think Deckard is a morally ambiguous character. I don't think he is necessarily a nice guy or a hero. I'm not saying he's a bad, nasty person either, but he is he is somewhere in that, you know, in that spectrum in between where where most people live, let's be honest. So, um you know, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, and 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 you know, it is a sign of the a the 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 noir films it was trying to emulate, but also a sign of the time in terms of filmmaking is you know back in the eighties that wasn't you know I'm not saying it's right, but it wasn't considered such a big deal as it is in in today's mm-hmm. world, and that's some way where we have actually moved on. So. Um, you, you know, and it is, it's uncomfortable to watch now. It, the two times I've watched it recently with an audience, one was at Secret Cinema and the other was at an 80s all-nighter thing that I went to. Um, the audience actually snigger slightly during that scene. And it's, but it's a snigger of being slightly uncomfortable with it. You know, you know what I mean? So it, it is, it's, you know, audiences viewing that today, um, see it in a in a much different way um it's interesting we thought that whole scene i mean it's obviously again not intentional but as a writing aspect of it because because she doesn't know whether she's a replicant does she want this thing to happen as brutal as it does because no she does know she's a replicant yeah but then she's trying to be human she's trying to feel the physicality of human human life i mean that's the only thing i could ever think not justifiable that maybe it was put in but then again it was just you know it was just a scene to have that in a scene well the thing about replicants and this was the ex- the experiment that Rachel was, was being given memories mm. is that 
they held the fact that she was a replicant from her. Mm. And so when she finally sort of realises, you know, she's still trying to convince Deckard, convince herself that she is human. Yeah. But then when Deckard tells her about her memories, Mm. that's when kind of the illusion breaks down. Mm. So when she goes back to Deckard's apartment that second time, where we have that scene, she emotionally is, you know, adrift. Mm. She doesn't know what she wants. But still, it is what's unnerving about it is that Deckard takes advantage of that. Mm. You know, he forces himself upon her. But at, at the same time, you can also see the hesitation in him doing it because he's had no human interaction up until that point. Um, up until that point, he's just been, he's always been the cold-blooded killer. He's he's everybody refers to him as the Blade Runner, not just a Blade Runner, but the Blade Runner kind of thing. And he says to Edward James, almost, "You could learn a thing or two from this guy." But after he blows, after um, after he's been with uh, Rachel uh, for the first time. He blows away his, uh, is it Zyra? Uh, uh, Joanna, yeah. what's her name? Joanna Cassidy. And straight, and straight after it, he goes and gets a bottle of booze because he's clearly really broken up. And, you know, it's it's hard to justify that. Harrison Ford was acting there. And when you think of some of the movies that we've watched, <laughs> when he's like, oh, can I just get my paycheck, please? Kind of thing. Um, he's, he really is. He's, you can see he's broken up. He's, He's sweating in that scene. He's shaking. Harrison um, Ford is it, an excellent actor. He really yeah, is. He you needs know. a good. He needs a good director as well. I agree. I agree. He's, he, when he's up. when he's committed, when he's committed yeah. to a project yeah. and passionate about a project, you can see it. And when he's when it's a paycheck, you can also see it. That's the thing. There's no sort of. There's no sort of consistency in between with Harrison. He's either really good or really uninterested. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's uh, uh, oh sorry, disinterested. I think well, whatever. But um, uh, y- y- you know, it's 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 uh, it's interesting. But but the fact, look, you know, we've talked about Blade Runner. That says something for the for the I won't say the film. Let's say the franchise that we're still talking about it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I think they should go back. You know, at some point, give it, give it a few more years. Go back to it and see what they can do with it. Do with this world because it's still, it's still an interesting world. I mean, it doesn't have to be about Deckard. You know, it you you have this you have this big world that's you know let's let's learn more about the replicants. I know there were rumours of a TV series, and I I you know judging in the sort of landscape that we live in at the moment where they're looking for more and more IPs that are big enough that you can, you know, knock out a uh, 10 episode um, season or whatever. It wouldn't surprise me if we get something set in the Blade Runner world, not necessarily, you know, with, with Deckard's character, but, you know, set in that world, um, hitting our TV screens, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me that happens the problem i have though is that is is where are they going to go is it with the uh, the replicants and their so-called revolution what are they revolting against are they going to re-inherit the earth it's a shithole 
Are they going to go out to the colonies? We've never seen the colonies. We're so yeah. we don't know what and, and also they don't have to worry about a short lifespan anymore because they'd solve yeah, exactly. that one as well. So you're, you're right. Yeah. They haven't got so much to... Uh... That's that jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if they do a TV series, they can always... It doesn't have to be 2049. No, it could no. be 2019, uh, 2025 or something. You know what I mean? It's, 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 yeah, it could be in between for sure. Or before. I mean, there, there, there was a, a history before we met Deckard. Replicants weren't a brand new thing. They'd been around for a while. Mm. You know? Yeah, we've got, we've got that on TV at the moment called Humans. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> there you go. It's like, see, it's inspired so much. <laughs> Well, guys, it's official. We're longer than Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> All right, guys. Who, who would have known? Who would have known? Yes. Right. I think this is a good place to uh, to wrap it up. So, yeah. um, Jason, how can people find out more about your work? Oh, just uh, don't go on my website. I still haven't updated it yet. Um, but you, you, you can find me on LinkedIn, which nobody uses. But um, I, I think, you know, work-wise, there's so many things I've got on ice at the moment, but it looks as if the first things that are going to hit cinema are both of Paul Hyatt's movies, um, Heretics and um, Peripheral, which you may or may not, I'm not giving spoilers here, see at uh, the, the next Fright Fest. I know he's certainly tr he's trying to aim for that. Um, and then... And, and from what I've seen of him, he's, he's, he's got two very solid movies on the way there, and I, I, I did some storyboarding and some design on those. Um, and then, if we're lucky, come Christmas time, we're going to have the new Watership Down and the Dark Crystal at the same time. Oh, excellent. boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I don't, I don't know what the hell else to do. I think it's time. I, I, if I take over my new website, which is just jasonfin.com, J-A-E-S-O-N, um, I, I, hopefully on the blog I'll be putting up some, some new artwork up there and um, some new surprises as well. Um, yeah. yeah so it, that, that, that was delivered almost like a Deckard voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly the same age. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and you can uh, follow Antonia on Twitter. Just search for Star Charmer eighty two. And uh, Keith, where can oh. we find you? Find out more about your work. Uh, yeah, sure. If you go onto YouTube and put in British Isles, which is E Y L E S, as in my last name, uh, you can see some short films I made there, or you can tap my name into imdb and uh see you know my filmography so far uh also with some up-and-coming projects one uh directed by simon which uh, is called modern love so look out for that and uh, i'm also in a web series at the moment called rebecca gold which is going to get a uh youtube release fairly soon so we'll come back to you with more information on that in coming weeks and you can find out more about my work, including my forthcoming feature, Modern Love, at uh, independentrunnings.com. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and all good podcast providers. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. And please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. It all helps. So... 
That just leaves me to thank our guests for coming on. Thank you. Thanks. And if anybody's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is what our usual conversations are like when we're out with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you for joining us. And I hope you uh, join us for the next episode of Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Thank you.